0: Nothing's riding on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters, but if you guys fuck up again I'm going to get mad.
1: A break in at the Watergate building uncovers a complex web of lies and dirty tricks leading to the President of the United States. Rookie Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein chase leads down blind alleys in their desperate quest for the truth. Alan Shaper-Cool as All the President's Men became a part of a unique moment in history as it was still unravelling. Incredible performances and writing have cemented the film as the benchmark in journalistic thrillers. My name is Luke, and with me are ATRM's very own Woodward and Bernstein, Matt,
2: Garage Freak, Jesus, what kind of crazy fucking story is this? And Westy.
0: If you're going to hype it, hype it with the facts. I don't mind what you did, I mind the way you did it.
2: All the right movies are
1: following the money all the way to the White House in search of All the President's Men. Hi everyone, welcome to All The Right Movies, a flawlessly researched and written podcast on classic hit films. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> Set yourself up there. I know you did.
0: Don't speak for everyone.
1: <laughs> We've got a very big one on our hands today, mm-hmm. and nothing's riding on this, fellas, except the First Amendment to the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country.
0: Yep. No pressure. Yep.
1: It is a throwback to a bygone era of movie making. It's all the President's Men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge. Oh yes, too huge. Big. Almost yep. too big. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> <laughs> now this is quite a landmark in the history of all the right movies. Four years and two days ago, fifth wow. of July, twenty nineteen, we released our first ever podcast. Oh, lovely! Oh, wow. Wow. Really? Yes. hmm They were on jaws and ghostbusters yeah we've talked about some huge films in that time chaps this is our 77th classic podcast we've done 48 patreon episodes and six interviews and all of those shows are available in our podcast archive which you can gain immediate access to by becoming an all the right movies patreon supporter Mm -hmm. our biggest fans support us on patreon on top of the podcast archive you get access to a brand new episode every month of our patreon exclusive show double feature yeah you get to vote for the films that we cover on that show, ask questions, which we'll answer on the show as well. Mm-hmm. And finally, we have an exclusive Twitter film community, which is only open to our patrons and our Twitter subscribers. Yeah, That's a proposition not to be missed. So go to patreon.com forward slash all the right movies to sign up. If you are able to support us, we'd very much appreciate it because it allows us to continue what we're doing and do more of it.
0: Yes, we really, really would. Be if amazing. you can, would please you, do. Just do. have a look. Great. Yep. Yeah. I
1: think we've got them by the balls there. I'm sure their hearts and minds will follow now. Oh, <laughs> of course, they'll... that's the will. So
2: back to all the presidents, man. Mm. Matt, why are we talking about this? It just ticks so many boxes for me. I love the whole '70s aesthetic that it has. I'm a sucker for a good conspiracy thriller, mm-hmm. even more so when it's intertwined with a story about journalists investigating a cover up and getting to the truth. Anything like that, brilliant spotlight from a few years ago. I'm all in. And- Can't Acton wise we're talking to the Great here, Redford and Hoffman, who we've never really talked about in any great detail, maybe just kind of here and there in the past. Yeah. And even outside of it, as a film, the whole subject matter, I find really interesting. It sounds really naive now, considering the last five years, but the idea that the American president would be at the center of a criminal conspiracy is absolutely yeah. shocking. I'm and ranges. the fact that he was brought down just by two journalists just, who just kept digging away and digging away at the mm-hmm. story, it's really yeah. fascinating to me, and it's a great document of the time and how it happened. Very much. Yes, yes. What about you, Westy? Uh, I
3: mean,
1: <laughs> not entirely positive. Not eh?
0: entirely positive. It's an Excel spreadsheet of a film, this for me. And they give us panic attacks anyway. I mean, it's typewriters, paper, notes, telephones, tabs, feet on desks, perms, corduroy, Brilliant. smells like shoe polish and old spice. It's got this real kind of vibe to it. if you don't keep up with it, you are fucked. You are yeah. gone. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, you don't, if you don't listen to something on the telephone... And you just, you'd miss one or two words and, or mm. one one name and you can't keep grasp of it. It disappears from the whole, yeah. from your psyche, really. Mm-hmm. I love it, but I don't quite know why. I've seen it 16 times and I still don't know what it's about. I couldn't name <laughs> the middle of the, of the film. It's like, this week, <laughs> honest to God, I've watched it like twice a day. <laughs> just to go, I, I pride myself on being, you know, fairly intelligent, not a fucking moron. But this, <laughs> but this film makes me feel like a fucking idiot. <laughs> But I do love it for that reason. I do love it that it doesn't really pull any punches and it doesn't Mm -hmm. give you a chance to breathe and it doesn't really, you know, it, it doesn't suffer fools. So no, for that reason, doesn't. I'm I'm here to talk about it, and I'm also here to learn everything about it from you two. So this is experience. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, no pressure, Matt. Damn. Oh, honest to God, you both understand more than I do. What Matt said there, I was like, oh fucking hell, really? The president? <laughs> 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 here we go. When was he in this?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's one of those films for me that is kind of like best in class. In the mm, genre. Right. If you're making a journalistic based drama, it better be close to this film. Otherwise, just don't bother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's conquered the genre, like kind of like the Exorcist and Demonic Possession films. Yeah. There's just no point in making another one because yeah. they all pale in comparison and I feel the same way about this film. Yeah. I've always been a fan of Pakula's films. And quite honestly, you touched on it, Matt, and I think you're you're right. But we have talked about Redford on one of our Christmas shows when we yeah. talked about Three Days of the Condor, so very fondly, briefly. But yeah. it is inexcusable that we've not talked once about no. Dustin Hoffman, the great no. Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Inexcusable. This it has is. been a long time coming. And yeah. I would expect a glut of Hoffman suggestions in our polls coming up in the next few months as well because sure we will be. the, yeah. there are a load to get into. A yeah. for choice. The great Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. All the President's Men was written by William Goldman and directed by Alan J. Pakula. Produced by Walter Coblenz for Wildwood Enterprises and distributed by Warners on April 4th, 1976. Filmed on location in Washington, D.C., the film stars Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman as Woodward and Bernstein, with outstanding support coming from Jason Robards, Hal Holbrook, Martin Balsam, Jack Warden and Jane Alexander. Yeah, We're headed to the Watergate Complex 1972 for the opening scene of All the President's Men. the action immediately after the intro to the film. The foiled break-in where the deceit begins to be slowly unpicked. Westy, yeah, you're going to kick us off?
0: I'll kick us off with the break-in. The only bit I understand from start to finish. (laughs) (laughs) Makes perfect sense to me, this. Five guys break into a complex, it's dark, there's walkie-talkies, they get found out. They get found out by Frank Willis, who's the security guard, but he's the actual security guard who found them out. Yeah, uh, he he was out of work from then until he did this film. Oh, really? <laughs> this is oh, the first isn't? bit of work that he had, yeah. Fantastic. And the way he finds out, they've just mask and taped <laughs> the door. Shoddy, open. isn't it? It's all shoddy. <laughs> Amateurish. It's all really shoddy. Because the, the, when the, the first communicate with each other, he goes, Unit 1, Unit 2. And he just goes, What? <laughs> 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 Why does it take five people to be there? And the only reason they were there that already bugged the place, they were just changing the batteries because the batteries ran out. That's <laughs> Shit look. Yeah, that's the only reason but five five grown men. You, how, many, how many grown men does it take to change a battery? Five by the looks <laughs> of it. But it is beautifully shot by Willis. You're brought into it, you understand there's, there's something not quite right here. And I think it's great when you got the you know the undercover cops turning up and they ask for the, the patrol car, and so they're getting gas, you go. All right, yeah, yeah, How long does it take yeah. to get gas? <laughs> or wearing a fishing hats. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, you know. They're absolute bumbling morons. And yeah, yeah. you want to see them actually convicted at the start. You're like, I actually want to go after these guys. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. But yeah, mm-hmm. great, a great, great, sequence and a great way to open the film.
1: Yeah. Nice early showing from F. Murray Abraham as well as one of the cops. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Very nice. One thing that stands out for me is I can't think of many other films where like our protagonists are uh, introduced in such an unremarkable manner is Woodwood mm-hmm. and Bernstein. Bernstein's just hovering about in the background getting yeah. on everyone's nerves.
1: Split diopter,
2: every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Split diopter, a Oh, split diopter. He's
0: got like mustard on his shirt. And yeah.
2: And Woodward just lazing about in bed. He, he's not like hot on the trail of like a breaking story when they get him to cover this and said, he's just, you know, just looks like he can't be bothered. And then hmm. even in the courtroom, just milling about, all the other journals look really bored. You think, well, what on earth's going on here? That could be interesting. But I think that's what's really good about Pacula's work is that he sticks to the realism of what's going on. But he catches your attention and draws you into it at the same time. Like how he shows Woodward constantly badgering Markham. Like just very casual. Who who are you? Why are you here? But it's Markham's response when he goes, I'm not here. Like immediately (laughs) sus. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly I am. Like tries to (laughs) backtrack. Be like, well, you've given the game we already made. It's like, well, what's he saying? These guys are just idiots. Like right from the off, couldn't be more suspicious if he tried. And then I love Woodward following him around. In that really casual manner, because he knows something isn't right, just following mm. him to the water fountain, yeah. sliding in the frame behind him, and he sat back down. And I do love that bit because Markham is so sick of him by this point. Yeah. Like the expression <laughs> on his face, like, Jesus Christ, this guy.
0: Do you, know, do you know, his delivery reminds me of. It reminds me of um why are you so unpopular with the Chicago Police Department? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I expect
0: him to ask that question every single time.
1: Pain in the air, this guy is.
0: Yeah, so.
2: It's it's the way he's so dogged, and persistent. And I think Pakula puts that across a very clever way, visually, and it gets to one of the central ideas behind the story. Like when the defendants line up, and one of them says he works for the CIA, or he used to, you can mm-hmm. barely hear him. Yeah, like, yeah. What, was yeah, yeah like, what did he say? He mentioned the CIA, yeah. and that's it. That's the film. You've got he to lean forward such, as well, doesn't he? He, just he leans forward, and that's what you've got, it, got it, to do. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got to like. What did they say? Pay close attention to the details because that's what's all about. And they're uh-huh. very much blank, and you'll miss them. Yeah.
1: yeah, Redford's great when he's got the pen in his mouth and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." Holy shit. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't really know what he's doing. Yeah. 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 And I just love the scene where he's trying to track down Howard Hunt. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he can quite believe it himself that after just a couple of phone calls, he's managed to track him down. And he's clearly out of his depth. He's kind of stumbling over his words. He says, I was just kind of wondering why your name and. Phone number in the address book of two men from Watergate. Yeah. And good God. And he writes down, yeah, good, good God. God yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Because he knows he's onto something. And this small, seemingly innocuous phone call starts the ball rolling on the whole thing. And just the framing of this scene is just, it's just mar- the, the filmmaking overall in this film. Masterful. Yeah. But mm redford is massive in that frame dominating the screen like he's overfilling it uh-huh. he has the, kind of like the power he's onto something bob Woodward was the upper hand but then as the fra- <laughs> <laughs> then as the phone call goes on he's speaking to the guy who's speaking spanish and he doesn't understand him he becomes yeah. smaller in the frame yeah he's losing it and then becomes bigger when he's speaking to mr bennett he finds out that hunt worked for the cia and it's only very slight but Great visual subliminal
0: storytelling. Yeah, really, mm-hmm. really like that. I also yeah. think that's a bit of an outtake when he says, Do any you guys speak English? I, it's Spanish. You yeah. can he kind of shouts yeah. over. It's yeah, definitely it definitely yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it that.
1: is. The telephone number that Woodward dials for the White House is the real number of the White House switchboard. Wow, four five
2: six one four one four. So, I if know you them want them. to put a call in,
0: <laughs>
2: give drawbell. See so how yeah, he's getting yeah. on. Hey, hello.
0: <laughs> From falling <laughs> over,
2: yeah, probably. falling over a banana skin. I imagine just looking, looking for the phone. <laughs> yeah.
1: After this sequence, Woodward and Bernstein have a frosty introduction, but join forces on this compelling story. We're picking up the action, starting with a phone call to the library and ending it with Ben Bradley reviewing Woodward and Bernstein's work. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting off with this conversation that Bernstein has with the librarian over the telephone. Yeah. nice. Hunt took out a a number of materials, but is then told the truth. The truth is that there was no request at all from Mr. Hunt. The truth is... I don't know, Mr. Hunt. All right, brilliant. Well, what is the truth? Because <laughs> yeah. you said the truth is this five times. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she's great on the other end of the phone. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. Great performance. And Woodward gets on the phone to Ken Carlson and he's trying to find out more information. He gets the cold cock, says the librarian denies that the conversation took place, and Bernstein's listening, and he's furious. Total bullshit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not happening, is he? He's great. total bullshit. Yeah. And I just love that, the building of the relationship between Woodward and Bernstein. You Mm -hmm. can see how their dynamic is effective in in getting the job done and doing the job right. You can see where their strengths and weaknesses are, just in this uh, passage of play. Fantastic. Mm -hmm, And it's the tantalizing dead ends that I love so much. Mm. You know that there's something there, but you're going to have to work very hard to get to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar. If you can cast your mind back, Westy, to the conversation that we had around Zodiac. Yeah. And my Mm -hmm. love kind of like that procedural kind of narrative throughout the entire film. And you can see the influence... Oh, that this film had on yeah, Zodiac oh, leaps and all the way yeah, through. Yeah.
2: He, he loves this film, Fincher. Yeah, yeah so of
0: course he does. It's the same yeah. film, basically. Yeah. He was famous, basically the it? same film, <laughs> yeah. 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 Even the officers look the same. Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. Just more library cards here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, on that matter, over <laughs> to you, Westy.
0: Yeah, I do love this sequence. I love when they go to the library and he's like, I've got them. Not sure if you want them, but I've got them. And he just yeah. puts them all down and just Slap. think, oh, that's what I think watching the film. I'm like, right, here we go. And I mean, I do love getting engaged with it. But I've got to concentrate so hard. Very much. And I feel like it's these guys looking through the library cards and they're just saying to the audience, look, this is how much you need to concentrate on the rest of this film, otherwise you're going to get lost. Mm -hmm. And the great thing that Paola does with the camera and Gordon Willis does with the camera is just takes you up and out of the scene and shows how complex this film's going to be. Yes. And it's incredible the way they did that. I mean, it's a remote-controlled cable system. And the primary cable was attached to a winch at the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And then they basically had to to move it so it, it became central in the frame. And Ray Delamotte, who was the first AC, he was the focus puller on it. And bearing in mind, this was, you know, before you had digital, before you had monitors, he didn't know what the focus is going to be. You have to measure the distance between the lens and the subject. And you then have to pull focus as that distance changes. Mm-hmm. So as that's going up, he's got no idea the distance. He's just going to have to guess it. And Gordon Willis said it was the finest moment of focus pull that he's ever seen in his career. He said he's wow. a, he was amazed that anything was in focus, anything, and they only did it twice. Really? Yeah. I mean, and, it's incredible. It, yeah, and that, when they go through, they, they do like a, a transition, so it, it kind of cross transitions to show a passage of time, but they did that because the the camera wasn't really in the centre of the of the actual building. It just started off on them. They were in the on the side. Mm-hmm. and it slightly moves back. So as it moves back, that's where the transition is, to show it's central, which, again, is right. genius in the editing. It's genius from, the you know, the first day It's genius from Gordon Willis. Because Gordon Willis said to Pat, he's like, I love it, but I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, loving it and doing it are two completely separate things. <laughs> when I saw that shot, I thought, right, this is worthy of my attention now. This A shot like that this early in the film, that should be the ending. I knew you would love a western. That, that's your that's I your final you shot, isn't it? It's just I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it, going, yes, I absolutely fucking adore that, and the way that they did it, you know, in an in an analog way, just humans being so incredibly technically good at what yeah. they're doing. It's just it's just a master stroke. It's just absolutely unbelievably done technically, and it really really works for the story. Like it's not showy for any reason. No, it shows the audience like this is how complicated this is going to be. So yeah, strap in. It's not it's
1: not flashy. It's not, not, at not at done just because you can do it. It's yeah. done to aid the narrative
0: exactly, and it does aid the narrative because you kind of go right. Well, they're in the middle of this complex fucking maze almost, yeah, and nobody's exactly. helping yeah. them but them to themselves. So yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful sequence and probably one of my favourite in the film.
1: Needle in a haystack, mm. it's shot in the Library of Congress, but there was some um, resistance to them shooting in the Library of Congress, much like Woodward and Bernstein themselves. Yeah. So they had to get the president of the MPAA to put a call in nice. to allow them to shoot in the Library
0: of Congress. I think that's only why like, they did it twice. I don't think they had a lot of time. Mm-hmm. If you look at the rig as well, it's just like a wooden like box. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. not really technical. Yeah, like, it's, it's a rudimentary yourself. contraption, look, isn't yeah, it? Why do you put that thousand, thousand, thousand pounds camera in there with film stock in it? <laughs> Give that to the focus puller who's going to guess as it goes up there. We're going to do it twice, and you get that. It's just ridiculous.
1: That's why he's the master?
0: Willis. Absolutely. Willis. 100%. What are you talking
1: about, Willis? What are you talking about, Willis?
0: I'm talking about putting <laughs> that fucking camera up there. That's what <laughs> I'm talking about. Get
2: it done. Amazing. Matt, what about you in this sequence? I love it all. But just once in my life, I'd like to enter a room or a conversation with the authority that robots does here is Ben Bradley when he comes oh. in to take that story apart. It's amazing. The way it's everyone amazing. just like holds the breath. And just sits up a little bit more because he's coming into the room. And yeah. you know, Woodwood and they there sitting down. Rosenfeld, which is Jack Warden, he's got a little bit of authority. So he can sit on the desk, but Bradley is just like, nah, screw you all. I gotta put my feet up on the desk. Yeah. You guys don't. I'm does it all the way through the
0: film as well? Does it yeah, all through does. the film? Always it's such a low key yeah. little touch,
2: but it's yeah. brilliant. It's a great character introduction. <laughs> yeah. And so much storytelling just by the look on his face. Like you can see he's kind of laughing at the story at one point because he's saying, yeah. Is this it? This is what they've got me out of my office for to look at this. The look on his face when Woodward says, I don't know how high up this horse goes, what the drop title is, it's devastating. The look of disappointment he gives him. It's like, you know, when you had like your favorite teacher at school and you gave what you think was like a really clever answer, and the teacher's just like, What is wrong with you? Why he it. crossing what? it
0: out in it front of you?
2: Out, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Why did you think that was the right thing to say? It's never see it? See me after school. Yeah, yeah. With
0: the red, He's, red pen. Oh, yeah, You oh, see the heart
2: <laughs> sinking with every slash of that red yeah. pen. Yeah. And when Bernstein like snaps and like, this is a goddamn important story. The way Bradley signs him, just yeah. that look. Like, yeah. Who mm-hmm. do you think you're on? Like, it's just that's brilliant. Shoulder, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's amazing, and it gets the heart. Why this story was so hard to crack because. It wasn't so much getting the people to talk and getting the fact. It was actually convincing someone like Ben Bradley that it's worth printing. Yeah, And this scene is so good at demonstrating the high standards that he set for them to get over. Mm-hmm.
1: It's the way that shot is framed, like you said, Matt. Bradley's like deep into the detail of this mm-hmm. story or lack of detail for that matter. Yeah. But the other actors, they, yeah. they're kind of like almost hanging their head in shame. that yeah. They know they didn't get it. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. So, two great sequences, a great opening, and a goddamn important story. But Woodward and Bernstein need some harder information. They do.
0: The director.
1: The man at the centre of everything isn't Richard Nixon. It's Alan (laughs) J. Pakula. Another person that we haven't spoken about in our four-year history. Now is his time in the ATRM limelight. It is. Matt, what are your thoughts on his work as director? Return of the pack. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the <Matata. laughs> cooler
3: That's it then.
2: Um, that's it. Yeah. Done. I think his work here is very rigorous and very detailed, and he doesn't allow himself much in the way of flash. And I think mm-hmm. that's really no. difficult for a director to do—to be so disciplined. But he has the confidence that the story is so strong and relevant that that's where the interest is going to lie. But even despite that, it's still impressive how he manages to make the film as gripping as it is because the story, in terms of its detail, a lot of it is extremely mundane. You know, we've been talking about scenes where they look through library cards. doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> how excited do we get about that, though? Exactly, yeah. Well, exactly, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's yeah. the brilliance of it. And I think what helps is... He moves the film along at a cracking pace, even though it doesn't feel like it, because they find one lead, it cuts to the next scene where they follow it up. That leads him somewhere else, he cuts to that. And it has this momentum of like pulling at one thread that undoes something else and so on and so on, and you just keep pulling at it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why he can have a film packed full of these small details, but it's still engrossing, you know. So many phone calls in this film. But none of them drag on, each one is punchy and to the point, it's question, answer, question, answer, hang up, Mm -hmm. make the next call, scribble a note down, big close up on that note, cut away to the next one. Mm -hmm. There's very little downtime and Pecoula really taps into that idea of the fact that the story is gathering pace in the background and it is frustrating because nobody can see that big picture yet but there was something there and I think how he puts that on screen is very impressive. Mm, Very much you know he does allow himself a little bit of visual flair every now and then we've mentioned the library cards you know the garage meets with deep throat with that great use of shadow Mm -hmm. and i think it's quite brave of him to say yeah the legwork of what these guys had to do was quite tedious but the way i'll put it on screen isn't and part of that was he wanted the camera work to be very static at the start very little movement but as the investigation grows and the stakes are raised it does become more mobile and then until you get to that like peak moment of that great tracking shot of Wood and Bernstein running through the office when they've made the, you know, the real big breakthrough. And that <sighs> moment, it's such a release. God, it's such a release of is. tension. It's like, yeah. God, yeah, they're finally moving on this thing. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this work's pretty exceptional, to be honest. Yeah.
1: I mean, just with you saying there, Matt, about uh, finding excitement in the mundane, mm. just while you've been talking, I've been thinking, three of the moments that I've chosen to talk about are phone calls. <laughs> yeah, Westy's exactly. talking about two people meeting in a car park twice. Yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Both are drastically different. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a very, very low-key film, very understated, like you're saying. Minimal title cards at the start, mm. minimal music, very simple, no action to speak of. Mm-hmm. And I think that works in great contrast with the enormous themes and narrative of the film. Uh-huh. I think mean, he's got this sense that it, it doesn't need to be anything flashy because just the, you know, the subject matter speaks yeah. for itself. Not even like the biggest car chase or gunfight no. could ever overshadow it. So there's no yeah. point, there's no yeah. need. And obviously, there, there's no place for it either, but well, you know, in a traditional yeah. tight thriller, there would certainly be place for it. Yeah. I think maybe I'm looking at it through a 2023 lens, but it's a risky move to make because... It just isn't written the way films are usually written. You don't have any of the narrative beats that you would normally have. There's no love interest, no no car chases, no action sequences, no tangible on-screen villain. No. And the two heroes are constantly being thwarted and undermined at Mm -hmm. every step of the way. Yeah, yeah. But somehow he makes one of the most tense edge-of-your-seat thrillers that I've ever seen. And I think it's in the subtle choices he makes. Like you said, Matt, the pace he keeps really helps. He Mm. makes even the most mundane of tasks like cold calling at people's doors feel like life or death stuff.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think it is a shame that he's not more widely regarded as a director because he did some great work in the 70s, Mm. did some solid stuff in the 80s and 90s as well. Mm -hmm. But particularly in this film when he's working with Gordon Willis, DP, this is an absolute dream team for me. The yes. idiosyncratic yeah. choices that they make together makes this film like stand head and shoulders above most in in the decade. It's a magnificent film and a great work from Pakula. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I think he's just, he makes this look easy. It seems like he's having a great time. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like there's a problem here. Everyone's <laughs> having a great time. Yeah. You know, all of the actors know exactly where their limits are. But everyone seems to be on the same page and I want to talk about how he balances the likes of Redford and Hoffman and it feels like they're both important mm. and they yeah, both I own agree. they both own the film when they are by themselves mm-hmm. yeah. and then when they're both together it just feels like a natural fit mm-hmm. and I think it he, doesn't
1: feel like a power struggle does no,
0: it No not at all mm-hmm. I think it's it's one of them really rare films where I mean Butch Cassidy's the same for me you know but mm-hmm. it's maybe that's just Redford I I don't really see him as like a, a a lean man per se but I think when he's with somebody he really shines you know, and this is like yeah. Newman and McQueen in *In Town Inferno*. It's got that yeah. similar kind of villain, where they've yeah. just—it just seems like everybody agrees. And I think Pacula mm. brings that, and he keeps everything grounded, and he knows where everything's going. And, and Willis is like, "I want to use split diopters and you know, ninety percent of this, he's like, "Right, son." <laughs> Because <laughs> he wants depth in the frame, he wants people to yeah. see what's happening, he wants he wants to have that tension, but at the same time, it's not it's not an anxiety tension, it's just an I want to find out more tension, mm-hmm. which is really which, what makes this film so watchable, I think. I mean, he's the king of it. You know, yeah, Clute, is. Parallax yeah. View, Pelican yeah. Brief even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was an absolute genius of handling tone. If he'd still been around now, he would have made Mincemeat out of where, you know, governments and politics and yeah. where oh, everything doubt. is now we would have kicked the shit out of it and we need somebody mm-hmm. like that around to do it but it's so unfair that he's not but in this film yeah flawless
1: yeah masterpiece bakula wasn't the only name in the frame we always like to hear this william <laughs> friedkin was considered you do <laughs> you do <laughs> <laughs> as was michael ritchie who just directed redford in the candidate
2: yeah Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Richie would get to direct his own journalistic reporter masterpiece in 1985 when he did Fletch.
0: <laughs> Just the first one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Right. Yes, indeed. A classic for sure. And John Schlesinger declined the gig because he felt it should be directed by an American. Hmm. That's yep. fair enough. Redford chose Pakula because they had the same thought on how to approach the material, with absolute truth to the story being told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Redford saw the film as a small indie with unknown actors, and Pakula convinced him that it needs to be a big film. He said, we were dealing with something that could alter our view of investigative journalism and political office, so it had to feel big. Yeah. Yeah. One of the reasons that he drafted in DP Gordon Willis.
0: Yeah, location shooting was taken advantage of as much as possible because the Washington Post wouldn't allow peculiar to shoot in their offices. So a, right. rep- a replica office was built at Warner Burbank Studios. Exact measurements were taken. It looks exactly the same, extensive photos, mm-hmm. even like some of the printouts. You know, it was absolutely to the point. But Gordon Willis was thinking, well, I can light this any way that I want it, but he wanted to light it exactly the same as the Washington Post. So that included yeah. 700 fluorescent units to light the whole Amazing. set. And when you're shooting on fluorescent on film, it looks disgusting. Like fluorescent, yeah. fluorescent is too green and it looks awful. So what they did in when they did the print is they shot with cyan lenses so they had a little bit more cyan and they took some green out and okay, he balanced that right. all the way through. All right, great. And... It's, you're not going to be asked about this, but the exposure was set to T4.5, which for me is like <laughs> really strange because <laughs> it just, that's not going to give you much depth to the frame. You're going to need like T11 or something to get that real depth and see the back of the room. So, right, the, okay. the wider your aperture, the more you, your background is going to be out of focus. But he lit it to T4.5, which I mean, that's, that's quite bright. And the gaffer had to. Take all of the ballast units that powered all of the fluorescents and take them, we're using 135 miles of wire, by the way, off the <laughs> right. soundstage and put them in air cooled boxes because the hum from them was too loud. Right, and it would actually bleed onto the onto right. the, the, the yeah. dialogue and everything else, so these 135 miles of cable, and Gordon Willis said again that that was one of the finest gaffer moments because there was never a shortage, there was never a flicker, there was never an output mm. that, that didn't work, everything was flawless. Absolutely unreal.
2: Amazing. As well as that though, they brought in 150 desks from the same place that the post got theirs from. Right. They had one ton of scrap paper to like decorate the desk with, and some of the actual reporters would donate their own desk clutter, so like personal photos from Walmart up books or whatever. Right. Or right. to add to the authenticity of it. And apparently when they went to the set, they were blown away by how accurate it was. And one of the Oscars this film did win was for George Jenkins, who was the he was the production designer.
1: Yeah. And well, you talked about depth there, Westy. Ah. Jenkins also used false perspectives at the back of the set to increase the depth in the frame, right. so desks and shelves were cut down accordingly and background artists were chosen because of their height relative to
0: the perspective. Oh, well, there you go, oh, T4.5 wow. works then. That's no problem. <laughs> 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 yeah, what he said. Yeah, yeah. thank God.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> to
1: wrap us up on Alan Pakula, we've got a question from one of our Patreon supporters. I mentioned Patreon benefits earlier. Another one is that you can put forward your questions for the films that we're covering and we'll answer them live on the show. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is the first question, and that comes from Thomas Frost. Howdy Thomas. Hello, Hello Thomas. Thomas. Great surname. Great first
0: name. Great guy. Yeah. <laughs> great guy? Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thomas asks, where does this rank among the other great paranoid thrillers of the era? Mm. Mm. Westy. Yeah.
0: What do you think about that? Well, I mean, there was just so many, wasn't there? And so many good ones. And I think yes. it's this team that were attached to them. I mean, Parallax View. That yep. was these guys. It was Willis as well. Uh, Clute mm. <laughs> was Willis as well. Uh, it's, you know, and particular. And Conversation.
1: Yeah. Silent
0: yeah. Green was one of those yeah. right mm-hmm, up good. there, early doors. Uh, this is second for me, if I'm going to answer the question and get to the point. Okay. First for me is three days of the condo at just... Oh, really? really? Oh, wow. I really enjoy it more. It's just got a bit, a little bit more of a pace. It's a bit more simple because, I'm, you know, I understand most of the time I don't want to be stressed when I'm watching a film and I feel really stressed <laughs> when I'm watching this one. <laughs> I still feel stressed when I'm watching Three Days of the Condor, but not as much. So that's why it wins over for me. And Redford is still, you know, marvellous in both.
1: Yeah, Redford's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a Pollock film as well as yeah, a yeah. can't go wrong yeah. with Sidney Pollock. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very close, though.
1: Very close. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Matt?
2: Yeah, Lord like all the ones Westy mentioned, Marathon Man as well. I throw that yes, in. Yes. Yeah. Um, Go back before oh, the Harry. original <laughs>
0: I mentioned about five incredible films at Marathon Man. Woo! <laughs> yeah, I, love Marathon Man. I love Marathon Man I love Marathon Man, I hate the dentist.
2: Oh yeah, great. I've <laughs> the original uh, Manchurian Candidate as well. That was great. Frankenheimer, loved that. Nice. Um, yeah, and yeah. then mm-hmm. once yeah. I come after Spotlight Squared, like I said. But I think this one yeah. will always be the top one for me purely because of the factual basis of it. Like the others are great, but mm-hmm. to me, you just can't compare a fictional conspiracy on screen, no matter how well done it is, to something that really happened to something where lives yeah. were in peril and, you know, was something Brilliant. that did have genuine real-world ramifications that this story did. yeah.
0: You just can't argue with it, Well, you? that's it, yeah. Th- yeah that's you can't, answer, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, yeah, it would be this yeah. one for me for that reason.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Pakula's the granddaddy in this genre, isn't he? Mm. You mentioned yeah. them, his Paranoid Trilogy, Clue to the Parallax View, All the President's Men. Yeah. Some of my favourites from any genre, from any decade, there's a lesser-known one called The Domino Principle, which is great. Right, okay. Gene Hackman. right. Right, not too okay. that But the one that is a contender to all the president's Men's throne for me is Blowout.
0: You oh, oh, that would come in here, of course, of course it is, of course, of course it is, yeah. yeah, of course. Split Diopter, De Palma, yeah. Travolta, <laughs> Travolta <yeah>. Nancy <laughs> Allen, headphones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Great just at hit. the tail
1: end of this fine run of kind of conspiracy films that yeah. came out in eighty one.
0: It's not seventies conspiracy. You're not allowed to put it in. You've you've shoehorned it in.
1: <laughs> I'm fine because Matt said the Manchurian Candidate. Right, and that's yeah. like 63 oh, right. or okay. something. Yeah, Okay, yeah. Okay, okay
0: yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, but De Palma, Travolta, Philadelphia. I'm desperate to cover it on classic, yeah. and I have oh, been no, since are. we started. Yeah. It's failed miserably on Paul after Paul after Paul. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, yeah. some people, some yeah. people are going to make my wish come true. You have to put it on yeah. as a
0: double feature, probably. But
1: uh, I have, and it came last. Well, oh, I'm, I'm
0: trying to help.
1: But What did you put it <laughs> up with? Dressed to Kill, another De Palma <laughs> sleazy classic. <laughs> just to bring it back on track. Blow out all the president's men. If they were to duke it out, I think it'd be a split decision right. with all the president's men just just pipping. Split Blow diopter. Out.
0: Hmm. Split diopter. On the two films. That's a lovely move, yeah.
1: So an incredible Sean from Pakula, probably the jewel in his very underappreciated directing crown.
0: Oh, absolutely. hmm
3: The cast.
1: The coming together of two of the greats from the decade dominates our cast section. We're starting off with Dustin Hoffman. Westy, it's over to you.
0: Yeah, I mean, great hair.
1: Great outfits.
0: <laughs> great start. Great. <laughs> he is great. He's like a kid, isn't he? He's just a really excitable kid. Like, he reminds me yeah. of my son in the opening sequence when he's standing in the doorway. He's like, what, what, what's happening now?
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he's really charismatic, but he's not creepy. Yeah. And this character should be creepy and pretty annoying, to be honest. The way he just hounds mm-hmm. people and wants to know yeah. answers. The way he just picks up, the story and start to rewrite it and polishing it, but mm. he yeah. backs it up with that charisma, mm. and I think he is wonderful. And against Redford, I was I was always thinking, I mean, you you see him like in Midnight Cowboy, and you're like, what the fuck, that's an incredible performance. Yeah. But you just, you know for a fact that he can hold the film when he's by himself. And as I've said Mm. before, and Redford can hold the film when he's by himself. And that's a very Mm. rare thing. And there's a massive trust between him and the director. He's not scared to push in on a close up, he's not scared to go to a wide shot. He's got a physicality when he comes back into the room and he's had 20 cups of coffee, you believe he has? (laughs) Yeah. It's just a wonderfully (laughs) fast-paced, the way he's speaking the dialogue and he's delivering it and he knows it so well. Really accomplished, really excellent performance and it's very, very watchable. And it's hard to say because he shouldn't be next to Redford. He should be like a... Mm trolling under a bridge as everyone should be a beautiful man but Hoffman holds his own he's like no 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 I'm gonna smoke in every single scene yeah and I'm gonna make it look cool you kind of go how annoying is it to stand next to someone who's kind of small impish big hair really thinks a lot of himself and having a tab and a lift you want to knock him out but Hoffman I'd be like nah, it's fine it's absolutely fine and he pulls it off he's fucking great yeah. in this trainers with a suit every time love it yeah
1: uh, I don't think I've ever seen two performers in a film, two lead performers have such a natural balance. Yeah, they seem like the best two. friends. Yeah. 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 I think Hoffman on his own is fantastic. I think mm. Bernstein's like a chameleon the way he goes about his job. He's kind of flirty mm. with the women that he meets when he's trying to wheedle yeah. out information. Yeah. But then yeah. he plays the kind of klutz a little bit when he's talking to the bookkeeper to make himself kind mm. of seem maybe unthreatening. Yeah. 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 He gets tough with Dardis when he doesn't get what he wants. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Manipulates a secretary and gets in that yeah, way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah brilliant.
1: And I don't think we see the real Bernstein, and I think that's great range from Hoffman. Very yeah. subtle, and obviously a reason why he's one of the best. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The thing is about Hoffman, though, like, he was probably the biggest star at the time. Redford had had hits, but yeah. nothing on the scale of, like, Straw Dogs, Graduate, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And, and by this point, Hoffman would have been nominated for three Oscars, I think, by this point. So right. they Huge. did have to have that conversation about billing. And what they went back to, have you seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Yeah. The John Ford West Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, Is yeah, which
2: like has got James Seaton and John Wayne, obviously mm-hmm. both huge at the time. Mm-hmm. And they took inspiration from that because what they decided to do was, if you watch the trailer or if you look at the posters, it's Redford who gets top billing, but in the actual credits of the film, it's Hoffman, it's Hoffman and yeah. that's, the, that's the balance they decided on. It's the right. dynamic,
0: it works as well because yeah. they've, they've got to agree, and that goes through the whole film. Totally. They, mm-hmm. they do agree yeah. on the rules and, and stick to it.
1: Yeah, I think Hoffman, I mean, considering where we are now, I think Hoffman got the best deal. Considering so, yeah. his name comes yeah. first, nobody sees any of the ads anymore. No, no, the no. posters and things of the past with streaming. Yeah, 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 exactly. They spent a lot of time with Woodward, the actual Woodward and Bernstein. Woodward was more reserved with Redford, but Bernstein and Hoffman got on like a house on fire. Yeah. Hoffman was invited for dinner. And he wore Bernstein's watch throughout filming. I think he's more kind of wow. your method man, isn't
0: he? He is, Hoffman. yeah. And also, and Hoffman requested that there was a, a, an exact replica of his of Bernstein's wallet made with everything that was inside wow. his wallet. <laughs> Wonderful. And wore it through the whole production. It's exact replica of it. You know, the receipts that were in there, as well, how much money was in there, everything.
1: Fantastic, yeah, yeah, he's renowned for that, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both actors learned each other's lines so the characters could naturally finish one another's lines. Too much? Yeah. That's outrageous, that. <laughs> it is <laughs> it's outrageous. Yeah. yeah Redford said it was important because they're two totally different characters with different religious beliefs and political backgrounds, yeah. but they mm-hmm. are in harmony with their thoughts and
0: motivations generally. Yeah, mm-hmm. when he gets his political views across when they're sitting uh, talking to Sloan, and he just looks yeah. at them, He's yeah. like so bad. Yeah. I- it's, yeah, I'm, I sorry, am too. I'm a Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. And Matt,
1: you're mm-hmm. obviously going to be talking about Bobby Redford. Certainly, am. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Great hair on him as well. Great, great hair, hair. Oh, lovely great great one. Yeah. Lovely hair. We- wears his suit amazingly well. Love him in Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, Woodward. It demands a very particular kind of actor, which Redford is, because it's a very cerebral performance. It has to be someone. You could convince you this is a guy who is a real politics nerd, mm-hmm. but also does have that killer journalistic instinct. And he's someone who's really intelligent. And Redford just makes it a really like internalized performance mm-hmm. and puts on screen The idea that this is a man whose mind is constantly racing, constantly putting things together, all these leads, all these clues. So, you know, as much as I love them, I can't imagine someone like Nicholson or De Niro doing this part because it's not about being a big movie star charisma. Yeah. It's about keeping that all inside and resisting every impulse Mm -hmm. to come across like a big star and just come across in- instead as a guy who is obviously very intelligent but other than that and no disrespect intended but probably just not all that interesting a little bit like blunt. he doesn't have an arc mm-hmm. he's diligent and he's studious he's probably not that much fun to go
0: down the pub with no mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. But Redford really gets into that and really makes that work somehow, which I
0: think is really impressive. Yeah, and he never really uses anybody until we get yeah. we we'll get to the bookkeeper at the end. But the way yeah. that the way that Hoffman's carried on, you know, Burns just mm-hmm. manipulates people yeah. and uses yeah. that chari- the charisma. Yeah. You just look at Robert Redford and go, all you need to do is talk to anyone for five minutes and you get any yeah, put you in their hands. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But he has this real honesty, he's and got this a, of ethics, he does, hasn't yeah. a real integrity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: he does. Which again is interesting because that's the type of thing. I think as an actor, you might think, ah, oh, it's a bit boring. That he's a bit of a boy scout but Redford just sticks to it Mm. and and I think that's brilliant and it's obviously not a buddy movie but so much of this does rest on how Redford and Hoffman play off each other and they do that brilliantly. like the scene where Woodward clocks at Bernstein is picking up his work from the copy desk and rewriting it that is brilliant because it establishes that relationship in just a few lines so efficiently like when Woodward confronts him about it there's no ego you know he Mm -hmm. says I don't mind what you did I mind the way you did it get it right and boom There you go. That's all they And
0: Bernstein's just like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight either. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's It's amazing. That initial
1: understanding. Yeah. I love that scene after his first conversation with Hunt. He goes to get the go-ahead from Howard, Martin Balsam's character, and he gives him all the info. He says, I've been told that Mr. Coulson's got no knowledge of what he gets. And he says, I never asked about it. They volunteered Mm -hmm. that he was innocent when nobody asked if he was guilty. And Howard replies, careful how you write it. Yeah. Great dialogue, that isn't it? Yeah. It's, dynamite, it's when that he scene. looks yeah. back
0: and says, "Who knows who Coulson is?" Because he's just asked who he was like yeah. <laughs> in the previous scene. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Coulson, oh, Coulson, Coulson. Yeah, fantastic, he's fucking brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, wonderful.
1: The story of the film starts with Robert Redford. He was promoting the candidates and was on a train from Jacksonville to Miami. The Watergate story broke, and he asked journalists who were on the train about it, and they kind of gave him the brush off but suggested the story may be deeper than originally reported but that it'll get mm. swept under the carpet because Nixon was too powerful and he would go after the press. Yeah, yeah. Redford said this chicken shit journalistic approach kind of irked him. He'd seen mm. Woodward and Bernstein's articles covering the Watergate story, in particular when they implicate Haldeman without corroboration, and mm-hmm. he said yeah. people who take wild swings and misses interest me. So he contacted the pair to express his interest, but they kind of batted him away. They didn't want it to be too Mm -hmm. Mm Hollywood-fied. But a key piece of advice given by Redford struck with them when they came to writing their novel, which this film is based on. He told them that the most interesting way to tell a story is laying the evidence out piece by piece as they uncovered it instead of revealing it all at once. He should make it a a detective story.
0: Yeah, he told them to focus on the method over Mm -hmm. the result. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's a key in the film's success.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You don't even get the result. It's just tapped mm-hmm. out for you. It's mm-hmm. typed yeah. out for you. As you watch it, you go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all <laughs> yeah. about the method. <laughs> it is. You're right. So Redford, trying to get the core of Woodward, said that he was on the surface, Bob appeared to be just perfect. You just knew his lawn was cut. He was very humble, very, very polite. You <laughs> really get that? You do. But concluded underneath, he had this killer instinct of sheer hard work. He would let Bernstein get away with making assumptions, you mind his character trait, dramatic effect in the film, and yeah. you can tell it's just got that real. That's exactly what he does, mm-hmm. without even saying anything. Yeah. Even if he had no dialogue, you can still see mm-hmm.
1: that he pulls Bernstein back down, doesn't he? When they're in this yeah. the scene, yeah. when they're in the car, and he keeps on pulling them back to reality. Yeah, yeah. 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 Fantastic. And he lets him
0: go when he needs to, though. He knows exactly how to use him, but mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't seem like it's manipulative. It just seems like he's yeah. doing it just for the best of yeah. everyone. Yeah, and I yeah. think
1: it goes back to that kind of like moral compass that we were talking about that he has. Yeah. That yeah. you need to get it right, it needs to be right. right. You can't just take yeah. wild flights of fancy.
0: A real yeah. man of integrity, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Doesn't get like personally offended by no like Bradley cutting the story down saying, like, No, we didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Didn't have yeah, it. That's He's great. just more annoyed yeah. that it's not right. He's exactly. Yeah. it's yeah. not yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: need to get yeah. it right. Yeah. So on Redford and Hoffman, we've got our second question from one of our Patreon supporters. This one, it's from Ryan Chippo. Ah, uh, hello, hello Ryan. Ryan. Hello, Ryan. He asks, where do the performances from Redford and Hoffman rank in their respective careers? He says, Mm. it's such a solid film, and the performances are incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's obvious. They both had incredible careers. Redford took a slightly different course when he took up directing um, and producing. I think he always saw himself as more than just an actor. Not to downplay anybody who's just an actor, because, you know, I mean, Mm. sure, we would uh, jump at the chance. (laughs) Well, of course. So, despite the strong field, I don't think you can look too far beyond these performances for Redford. I do like sneakers. I do like Legal mm-hmm. Eagles. But this yes. is <laughs> I, I think this is his best. And it's not full of bluster. It's not as fun and nuanced as Butch Casty, let's say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is my favourite from him. It's more of a tough call with Hoffman. I absolutely love him in the graduate. Yeah. I'd say that Lenny's probably a better performance, to be honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a barrel yeah. of laughs, no, just, um, talking, talking but it's an incredible performance. Mm. Just don't mention Ishtar, whatever you do. <laughs> number one for me, though. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, number one for you? Obviously, <laughs> Him with <the> a <laughs> yeah. bullet. Yeah.
2: I think the difference between them is I think Redford was always more of a movie star, and I do love them both, mm. and I think Hoffman was more of an actor, and yeah. he did have the bigger range. And like you said, Redford, I think, always had one eye in... Become a producer and a director. Mm-hmm. So there's a slight imbalance there and that I think Hoffman has more competition in terms of great roles. So with Redford, to me, you've got like the, the double whammy of the sting and Butch Cassidy, he's mm. great in The Candidate. Yeah. Um, all is lost from a few years ago. Mm. But then with Hoffman, you know, two of the funniest performances I've ever seen in The Graduate and Tootsie, but then he can go really dark yeah. and Gritty, Lenny, Midnight Cowboy, yeah, and even up to the present day. Doing like smaller stuff like the Myrid story, so for me, Mm -hmm. I think this would be top Mm -hmm. five for Edford, but it wouldn't be top five for Hoffman because of the divergence of
0: careers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go along with that. What about you, Westy? I am going to put the again second Mm. because I just there was other things that I'd seen, and I'll always remember Hoffman in Rain Man. Okay, yeah, it was like kind of the first time I'd seen him, and I just thought. Mm. Jesus Christ, what fucking performance that is. Hmm. And it's, it, it, it's kind of overlooked now and almost pastiche or a cliche of, yeah. of playing that type of character. Yeah, very much. But he does yeah. it so well. He I does. it's just incredible. Hmm. But And I would put that third, and I'll put all the President's Men second, but the one that resonates with me, the one that lives with me, and the one that I'll say is a performance that will reduce me to tears, is him in Sleepers. It's absolutely oh, ah, amazing. Ah, okay. Love it. And he's he's just—he's not a main character in it, Mm -hmm. but he's so important as a character. Mm -hmm. And as an alcoholic, like he's—he's—he's hired because he's shit, and he knows Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And he—it's such a heartbreak, and he brings everything to that. I think he's just fucking phenomenal in that film. Yeah, absolutely unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And again, it's Butch Cassidy's third for me because I think Redford's just so so engaging in that film. Just you just want to be him. Mm -hmm. You want to be him. Yeah, he's great character. He's just so good. And it's a Sundance kid. You're like, how fast are you? (laughs) amazing yeah i just mm -hmm. want to be that guy yes thanks all the president's men second because i think it's just such a charismatic performance but again three good days of the condor for me i think it's just right wonderful in that yeah
1: yeah yeah it is a great performance yeah very much so two of the best from two of the best on all the president's men Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we've said the film is stuffed full of extraordinary character actors the Washington mm-hmm. Post crew alone made up of Jason Robards, Martin Balsam, Jack Warden. They add so much authenticity to the film. I think mm-hmm. yeah. these guys feel like they've been working at the Post for decades.
2: They're not actors. Yeah, they well, didn't Robards come in on his stairs off just to hang about in the back of he the did, set so yeah, he, that's he right. could get picked up by the camera? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Amazing, yeah, amazing to do that. I'll, yeah. I'll just hang about in case I'm in, in the background at some point. <laughs> everybody's everybody's
0: Brilliant. great, it? I mean it? Yeah. I'd never get tired of anyone. He, he, he turns the camera to anybody in this film yeah. and I'm engaged. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's great when Robards on the phone to Ken Coulson near the end, and he's he's got his feet up again, a wife yeah, and a family, got, and a dog in and a cat. Right, cat. right. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> his delivery when he says, "I don't want to print that you were in Sally's apartment. I just <laughs> want hmm. to know what you said in Sally's apartment."
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's brilliant. Like when he gets angry with him as well, and he saw him goes, oh, yeah, and he goes, Woodstein. Oh,
0: you can't and go wrong with that. <laughs> and and it's, <sighs> it's their walk after that. It's yeah. like, do you know what it is? I don't know what it is. It's, it's it going is. to the head teacher's <laughs> office, yeah, it is. isn't like, exactly oh, yeah. it? It's, it's exactly trouble? Yeah. Woodstein.
1: Yeah, Back. And he say, we haven't had any luck. We'll get some. Get some, yeah. that. I'm using that. Yeah.
0: Great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we oh, haven't got any luck yet. We're going to fucking get some then. It's just, yes,
1: amazing. <laughs> great. I think my favourite's got to be Jack Warden as Harry. Oh, he's great. Wood- yeah. Woodward and Bernstein's enthusiastic sponsor when he's fighting yeah. fire with Bradley and, and Howard. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. full of support for them. Yeah. yeah. And he's such a solid, dependable presence, Warden. It's great when... Woodward and Bernstein are button heads at the start about the article, and he, and he just steams past them. Woodward, Bernstein, you're on the story, <laughs> yeah. so don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think the support and cast are a, 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 one of the major reasons that the film works. It's one mm-hmm. of the greatest ensemble casts for me, and I, and yeah. I bloody love a good ensemble cast. You Absolutely. Do. Yeah. So two powerhouse performances in the lead roles with support and cast filled out with some of the most respected character actors
0: of the era. Mm-hmm. And it shows.
1: And a special offer to all ATRM listeners: you can get ten percent off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com/ATRM. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/ATRM. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of All the Right Movies. The middle. The first segment that we're talking about in the second act starts in deep background with the introduction of the playfully nicknamed Deep Throat. And it ends with Woodward's telephone conversation with Kenneth H. Dahlberg.
3: hmm Mm-hmm. And Westy. Yeah.
1: You're going to start us off in deep background.
0: Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> Could be a much worse introduction, couldn't it? Um, the way this scene now is almost a cliche of itself. Yeah. When you watch it again, yeah. there's so many pastiches of this. There's so many. I mean, Chris Carter took it and just ran with it with the X Files, you know, the smoking <laughs> guy. It's just, yeah. this is it. There's a conspiracy and somebody has the truth and somebody wants to know the truth. So they meet in an underground car park and it's lit exactly the same. It's always the yeah. same. But Willis just yeah. invented this. And mm-hmm. Hal Holbrook brings such an incredible performance. Oh. It's so understated. Mm. It's so great. And he knows that where the lighting is and how to work it. And when he first lights that cigarette, you just see mm. that glow. And there's such a, a lovely orange and teal mix here, which is classic in cinema, but it just works so well. Where it's just so blue, lovely. You just get these really lovely touches of orange. And I just love the way he's, Holbrook's shot. I just love the way there's that little kind of old fashioned strip light just across his eyes, just
1: his eyes. Yeah,
0: there's that close up of his eyes as well. When he's just, mm-hmm. you know, you know he's got the information, but he can't give it over. It's just yeah. dark. It's shadowed. He, he's not revealed at all. So it's perfect for the character because the character is basically a shadow saying I can't give you any light unless you find it yourself yeah and we'll go into this and the more wonderful. that he meets him the more he's kind of lit a little bit more and then mm. more of it's revealed a little mm. bit more but this first first meeting is just absolutely wonderful because there's just that whistling in the background and it mm. just ha- ramps up that yeah. paranoia and there's yeah, always eerie, this kind it? of really low constant hum in the background and you're always on edge and it's just really really well done I do love sequences in multi-story car box. I don't know why. You can start Highlander. be amazing. But it's just, it it has that. (laughs) On par with this, I think. I've got Highlander and all the President's Men. I never thought I'd be able to do it. Um, But it's just great. His dialogue's great. And he's talking about Liddy putting his hand over the candle. And he says, you know, the trick is just not minding yeah like it's not oh, caring. that's what incredible the, dialogue isn't that isn't it it's just yeah. so so powerful where it's just you can do anything as long as you don't care what people think mm-hmm. as yeah. long as you don't care about what you're doing to yourself as long as you're looking for the truth you have to hold your hand over that candle and don't care that it burns mm-hmm. and that's his advice you know and you get the classic line that's been used over and over again and it was invented in this and it's follow the money yeah, yeah. you know follow that trail follow that people have listened mm-hmm. watched this film i mean fincher especially You'll watch yeah. this film and they'll say something like, follow the money. And then they've went, oh, I've thought of about 50 films from that one line <laughs> that I can create now. And screenwriters have just went, right, follow the money. Okay, there's a money trail. There's a trail of like this. It's, you know, it's got this kind of real depth to it. And it ramps the paranoia up exactly when you need it to.
3: Mm-hmm. And it's
0: still and it's steady and it's quiet. Because the newsroom is constantly going. There's just yeah. sound design. it's just constant barrage of people talking and typewriters and, you know, everything's just so busy, and then all of a sudden you're in a dark place. Yeah. You need to know the answers. You're mm. not getting them. This is where you should get them, and you don't get them. And that's what I love about this scene.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Deep Throat's identity remained a mystery to all until 2005, when former FBI Deputy Director Mark Felt came out as the all, as Deep Throat. Yeah. Woodward mm. was very quick to corroborate this. It suggested that Felt was disenfranchised in his role in the FBI because he was passed over for the role of director once J. Edgar Hoover died.
0: Yeah, right. So that's why he squealed. Well, okay. yeah, yeah. Woodward yeah. straight in there. Look, see, I was right. Look, yeah. <laughs> right all along. Right <laughs> all along. This guy's just pissed off now because he's not getting what he wants.
1: I mean, Holbrook, incredible as ever. Yeah, yep.
2: unreal. And apparently, Holbrook he he was the only choice. Mm-hmm. And Woodward was a real advocate for him because he felt there was a strong physical resemblance between Holbrook and Felt Law. Oh, he didn't make that obvious to uh, Pecula.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's kept that. He's done well to keep that a secret all this because it
2: must be so tempted to tell at least one person yeah
1: I
0: know considering
1: how much exposure he had on that yeah. secret as well
0: yeah. yeah but Holbrook turned it down initially because he thought it would be like a, a huge lack of screen time mm-hmm. he changed his mind after Redford made a personal visit to his house saying the Deep Throat will be the character that audience will remember the most and he's not wrong I don't think I mean you always think yeah. of these, these three meetings definitely yeah you yeah.
1: definitely do yeah they, yeah, they really definitely. stick out
0: yeah, and if it, anyone said to me, if I was in that there and just be like, look, you've got all the information, you got to be really, really shady and Gordon yeah. Lewis is going to shoot you in an underground garage <laughs> with a backlit dark and you get a smoke tab, so I'll be fucking straight in there.
2: <laughs> and it's Redford telling you that it's as well. Red, yeah, yeah, I'll, Redford, I'll do better than Redford tells me to do. Yeah, yeah, I'm, exactly. in. I'm in but Bobby. You, you get
0: in. to look like you've got more intelligence than Robert Redford and he's panicking yeah. <laughs> in front of you. Yeah, okay, I'll do yeah, that. He's sweating. No yeah, he's sweating and you're not. Amazing.
1: Well, I love the scene where Bernstein takes a little trip down to Miami to speak to Dardis about Barker's phone and banking records.
0: Yeah. Great.
1: He's been brought down under seemingly false pretenses and is left waiting all day, smoking at least three packets of cigarettes. (laughs)
0: Outrageous. (laughs) Constantly.
1: Spilling over. I like that the secretary calls him Bernstein and stumbles Mm. over the pronunciation when she's on the phone. Another error Mm. that makes it in the film. Despite being hailed as as one of the most accurate films ever, this moment where he dupes the secretary with a phony phone call, Mm -hmm. that isn't true.
0: No, that was in his version of the script, wasn't it? That he wrote with his wife which that we'll scene, get into. That's actually. exactly, yeah. yeah. Bernstein yeah. yeah. tried to be, it's classic Bernstein, yeah. that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> big Look example. how much comedy Jabes can I get up to? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's like, the most, like, Hollywood version of anything in this film. It's just yeah. ridiculous. It yeah. just wouldn't happen. His yeah. voice is exactly the same on the phone as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is <laughs> yeah. exactly And he's only been gone same. two minutes. Yeah. Well, I wonder who this could be. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like when Homer rings up trying to pretend to be Mr. Uh, Mr. Smithers. <laughs> Mr. Burns, What's middle I don't know. Great,
1: but I like this scene because it shows Bernstein's journalistic skills. It's a nice cheeky move to get rid of the secretary. Josie can think on his feet, and he is quite crafty. And when he doesn't yeah. get what he wants from Dardis, he plays hardball to make him crack. And yeah. a great performance from Ned Beatty as well. Yeah, oh, one scene one in the entire brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, he's unreal. Hoffman on the phone to Redford straight after it's sweating in the Miami heat yeah, just a great yeah. image
0: so giddy as well isn't he yeah yeah
1: fantastic
0: I'm coming home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said that <laughs> I got it in my notes doesn't mean it's fact <laughs> I've got loads of shit in my notes doesn't yeah. mean
3: it's
1: fact. <laughs> what about you Matt on this sequence
2: yeah that phone call Woodward makes a Donald Burke. Like, I've never been as enthralled by a telephone oh. conversation in my life. And yeah. I mean, telephone conversations I've had with other people. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one has been as interesting as this one. Yeah. Like, the sheer patience to hold that slow push in oh, for God. as long as they do.
0: On a split diopter as well. Exactly. That's on a split incredibly diopter. incredibly hard to do.
2: Mm-hmm. That is. And the thing is, it's invisible as well for the most part. It is. Until you realize it's happening. Now, oh, my God, Redford is getting bigger and bigger in the frame as he's getting more and more information, which is how the dude with the Howard Hunt call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the clarity of the situation is dawning on him. I think this has to be the moment where, if you're on the fence, this is the moment where the film just hooks you. Yeah. Like, I have to know what's going on from here, because yeah. it's another example where Peculiar uses visual information to tell the story really well. The fact that in the background there's so much noise going on. Mm-hmm. yeah, Everyone's agitated about this story in the background. And that story, it's McGovern, who is the Democratic candidate for president, Saying his running mate is dropping out because of the smear campaign,
1: yeah, which yeah. is
2: the crime that Woodward is getting to the heart of, but yeah. we really don't know that yet. Yeah. And that's an that's amazing touch, genius! That's incredible. It's actually in the background, but Woodward's got to try to drown the noise out to realize that's it's incredible. literally in the background, yeah. And he, dra- he drowns the
0: noise out visually, like it doesn't, <laughs> it's not audible, it's just visual because yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. obviously his attention's half and half. That's why I yeah. just split that up, right? and then it starts yeah. going to his own attention and he owns yeah. the frame and everything else is blurred, it's great. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. It's amazing. And Redford, just incredible. Like, the tangible excitement he has that he's really onto something. It's a good lead, but he's got to be focused. And it's really funny when Dolberg goes, I've just been through a terrible ordeal. My neighbor's <laughs> wife has been kidnapped. Yeah. yeah. Which is what a true just- story
0: as well. Which is a true it story, that true, happened. So, yeah, but yeah. so
2: what? Yeah, Woodward, see, you orders. notice. D- just goes, well, how do you think your cheque got under a Barker's account? Straight doesn't, like, pay <laughs> yeah, any yeah. attention. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: And then when Dahlberg wins him back, but he's already on the phone to McGregor the next day, so you ah. can see he's got, like, all these plates spinning yeah. in the air. And there's that amazing one where he gets the names... Wrong, he says. Mister McGregor, Air Dahlberg, and that was a genuine fluff yeah. by Redford. You can see the panic in his eyes yeah. for a split second. He's gone. I've just mucked this incredibly it's a intense take up six minutes, six minutes, and it's at the end. He's like, "Have I mucked it up?" And yeah. he continues on, and it's brilliant how they kept that in. Yeah, so yeah, that, it's that's brilliant a great how it touch. keeps going. And she comes back to her
0: line, and he's like, "Good, yeah. Carl ah. on the phone," and then he picks it up and yeah. he delivers that on top of making a mistake. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the set above yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
1: and and Redford, like Bradford's delivery—he's got to remember his lines, he's got mm-hmm. to remember his mark, but he's got to keep it interesting <laughs> in the frame with facial expressions where he's hanging on, waiting on the other end yeah. of the phone. It's just—it's an amazing
0: performance. It is. It is. It goes between the two, Mister McGregor. Can I put you on hold? Yes. Mister Dobber. Can I put you? Back, 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 <laughs> yeah. And just—you know and then to load a typewriter and then go on for shit. like <laughs> yeah, After yeah, that, yeah. I couldn't <laughs> do it. It's impossible. Yeah, wonderful.
1: Following this scene, Woodward and Bernstein find out there's a whole rat's nest of illegal shit going on at Creep. They press a colleague for a list of employees at Creep and go door to door for information. And that's the sequence that we're talking about here. And I'm going to start us off. It's made very clear that nobody wants to talk to these guys. They're getting the door slammed in their face the moment when they get to Betty. But she's clearly terrified to say anything. Mm -hmm. And they go back. And she push, slams the door, she's almost crying, and they'll see you. Yeah. Great
0: performance. Yeah, it's amazing. I mm-hmm. had, had the raincoat over his head, and I thought he'd go, <Troy->. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if she lost her mind, what the fuck's yeah. going yeah. on? <laughs> 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 so
1: these guys are completely at a loose end and nowhere to turn. So when they finally get to speak to somebody who's so accommodating and welcomes them in, it's such mm. a relief.
0: It is, But yeah. then
1: you get the gut punch that she isn't the right Miss Abbott, yeah. and we're right back yeah. to where we started. And the lighting and framing of that scene, when compared to the one with Betty, is is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's such a yeah. huge contrast because Betty's partially obscured by the door. She's in the shadows. Yeah. Very little looking to come out. She's clearly got something to hide. But Miss Abbott, she's fully in the frame. She's beautifully lit. Yeah. Nothing yeah. to hide. Yeah, You could watch this without dialogue and understand what's going on. Absolutely. It's magnificent stuff.
2: Yeah. Just another masterclass in slow burn storytelling, which Mm -hmm. you get with Bernstein when he goes to see the bookkeeper. Because again, it's just these small little visual details. The fact that the posts on the staircase frame the bookkeeper perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it's that obstacle in between her and Bernstein. And it's just perfect because it's the fact that Bernstein has to play it so carefully because she is so paranoid Mm -hmm. about giving something away. But he's the one that should not be in this situation of the two of them. Because he's the one who's always jumping ahead. He's the excitable yeah. one. Yeah, this yeah. is not a good assignment for him to do. No. And this is without a jug of coffee down his throat because he's got to stay there so long.
3: Yeah.
2: And you can tell that being patient is absolutely killing him here. And he can barely do it. He, he can barely keep the reaction off his face when she casually drops in that they brought in $6 million. And he's just like, mm-hmm, $6 million? Okay. <laughs> just I'll make a little note of that. And yeah. you can tell like his head is just exploding yeah. inside. Yeah. Like Brilliant. the steam's coming out of his ears. And Jane Alexander. I mean, she's so good here, you know, she has this scene and then the next scene and that's it. And she's Mm -hmm. really good. You can see it's almost painful for her to open up. You can feel that conflict because she knows what's been going on isn't right, but she's also extremely fearful for her life. Yeah. And this is the first time you start to think, actually, there could be serious repercussions for anyone who does speak up about this. And I think it's when the film takes a real dramatic turn. Yeah. It then ends with this huge release of tension when he gets back to Woodward and all that caffeine is racing through the system and he can't see yeah, still and yeah. he can't stop rubbing it on. And Woodward's reaction to all those like scraps of paper, he's just thrown on him. And he's like, these are the notes. Like, <laughs> yeah. How is he supposed to make sense of any of this? And that cookie throw from Bernstein Woodward, yeah, I don't that's really good. Don't want a cookie. It goes away. It's just the perfect amount of comic relief to dial down the tension a little bit that Bernstein has been feeling. But then the snap right back into it, that tactical thinking, like what they're going to do next, right? If we say we know P is Potter, yeah. what if P isn't Potter? Well, then we're screwed.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, just it's brilliant.
1: Everything's hanging on this. Yeah. yeah. It's that yeah. great
0: line as well when she's not giving him enough and he's like, coffee's cold. And he's just yeah. he's prepared to drink the, the cold coffee and, and yeah. go yeah. through it all until it heats up again. You know, this is yeah. a great mm-hmm. moment where you just like, he's, he's prepared to do anything.
1: Yeah. Her delivery when she says if you guys could get John Mitchell that would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That the power and the emotion and and mm-hmm. what what that means to her mm-hmm. is yeah. there for all to the- see. She got Oscar nominated for those two scenes. Wow. Incredible. Actually, yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible work.
1: Westy, what about you?
0: I mean, I'm the same. I'm going to I'm going to stay on that performance because when they come back the next day and they've got the plan and they know what they're going to do and they're going to try and, you know, cheat her out of it really. Um, yeah. By Pushing things other ways and saying pee and P is porter, I would have yeah. fucked that up completely. I would just be like, Watch yeah, me, yeah. right? Can I have a pee? Can <laughs> have <people>? um, yeah, <laughs> just, just in there. Just a f- first row up the stairs. I would have absolutely knackered it up. It's just wonderful right, the way that's delivered. I think it's wonderful the way it's shot. And it's, you know what else is wonderful in this? The sound design, because finally mm. we're oh, sound. It's just birds singing and mm. it's yeah. peaceful and it's the truth. And they're getting it in an honest way. And it's yeah. natural. Mm. It's a natural truth.
1: Natural light. No exactly. shadows.
0: Exactly. There's yeah. it's everything's there to play for. She's sat by herself behind a table and she's just like she's giving it her hairs down. She's got no more mm. yeah. defense. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. one, it's it's not even that long, this sequence. I would say yeah. it's a couple of minutes, but it's just it reveals everything. It cracks the whole thing wide open. And I love the fact when he's going, How much did he get? 25 grand? Was it more? Yeah. Fifty.
3: Mm, and it's yeah, just pushing
0: yeah. and pushing one up. His port, and then she just says, who told you about Porter? Yeah. And there's that mm. silence and you go, oh, but it, yes. gives you, it gives you, what does it give you? Eight seconds. And then mm-hmm. it's a typewriter yeah. again. Bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang, bang. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful sequence. And one where they actually win and what they're doing makes sense. Mm. And it, it's a yeah. real kind of, it fills the gas tank again. And you're ready to go. Yeah. yeah.
1: Great. So the film Firing All Cylinders now. Incredible work behind and in front of the camera in the second act.
0: Brilliant. Mm -hmm.
3: The crew.
1: The screenplay for All the President's Men is a complicated story. It's based Mm -hmm. on the actual Woodward and Bernstein non fiction novel, also entitled All the President's Men, published in 1974. Mm hmm. Complicated story. It's credited to legendary Oscar-winning writer, William Gold, one of the very best. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I think is one of the key factors in making this film as effective as it is, is the relative simplicity in the writing. Mm -hmm. I say simplicity. It's still probably the most complex screenplays that I'm aware of. Yeah, definitely. If you don't have a background knowledge on the events and the people within you would imagine that you'd be lost, but I think Gorman writes it in a way that you can still follow what's going on without any prior knowledge. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but he also does it without spoon-feeding audience information. If you're not mm. listening, then you're fucked.
0: Yeah, I would, yeah. I, would, I would really appreciate just a fucking teaspoon every now and again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's very easy to get lost off Segretti yeah. and Liddy and Creep and mm. Dahlberg and Dardis. It's very tricky, considering we don't see the faces of most of the people exactly. that I talked no. about yeah. here yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah. So it absolutely demands undivided attention. And if your mind does go wandering for a moment or two, you are done for. Yeah, you're done for. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. definitely. Goldman said, it's a very complicated story. And I had to simplify it because the audience cannot keep referring to a scorecard to determine who is who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does have moments of humor as well, which is absolutely essential to keep the tone. Great when they're in the elevator, and Bernstein tells Woodward that he shouldn't have told Bradley that they haven't had any luck. He'll jump all over it, and Woodward's yeah. like really frustrated. He knows that Bernstein is right, yeah, but he's yeah. not going to say anything. He looks around. Is there anywhere that you don't smoke? Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Bradley screaming Woodstein is an absolute yeah.
0: joy. Yeah. So yeah. it's
1: just these little nuggets. It's not laugh out loud humor or no. goofy humor or anything like that. But it's just light moments that the sun comes through the clouds a little bit. Yeah, yeah breaks but, the tension a little bit when it needs so to. When yeah. she's
0: talking about the fact that she's separated from the guy and get the list and you know and off and so you're looking better. Yeah, and yeah. That little <laughs> light laugh. It's yeah, great. very yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah.
1: Wessie, what are your thoughts on the screenplay?
0: I don't really know because (laughs) I don't know how much of this is Goldman. To be honest, Mm. everyone has has got something to say about this and I think everyone wants to do a really, really good job and tell this story and how, how intricate it really is. I don't really think this can be credited to one person. I think Redford's got a lot to do with it. Pakula's got a lot to mm. do with it based on the novel that Redford give them advice on how to write the novel that he's yeah, know. On. I know so you've no. got to go, well, maybe Redford's just, you know, he knows exactly what's going on and he's got this real confidence throughout the whole film. But I don't feel like he's an actor that's been hired to be in this film. I believe mm-hmm. that he's made this film what it is. Yeah, he, he's, he's kind of part of the birth of it. And I don't think Goldman actually put in as much as that he, he he wanted to put in. I think he's been quoted as saying that the final film is about 10%, what right. he actually right. applied to the script and mm-hmm. from the novel and everything else. I mean, he's written some incredible films. You know, he, he did Butch Cassidy, which is why I think he's in there. He did Papillon, the original Marathon mm-hmm. Man he wrote. He wrote the screenplay for Misery. Princess you know, Bride, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, he, He's done some really, really good films, but I just think having read about this and done a bit of research on it, Goldman's actually quoted as saying that if he had his time again, he would have avoided this film like the plague. He wouldn't have right. touched it. He wouldn't have gone anywhere near it.
1: Yeah. It is a complicated story. Having secured the rights to the novel, Redford wanted to get the thoughts of his friend, screenwriter William Gorman. Yeah. Mm. He worked with him on Butch Casty, that screenplay won an Oscar, yeah, He just set up the meeting so he could get his input when the novel was being finalized. Redford said that he didn't commission Goldman as the screenwriter, but the book's publisher, Simon & Schuster, sent a copy of the novel to Goldman's agent. He passed it on to Goldman, and Goldman took this to mean that he was being asked to adapt it.
0: Right, right, okay. Right. okay. And
1: Redford has since said that it was only that they were friends, that he didn't intervene and confess the truth because there were problems throughout the writing process. Coleman's first draft wasn't like by anyone, and it garnered the nickname Butch Woodward and Sundance Bernstein. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: <laughs> Great. Wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who Bernstein was in a relationship with at the time, though? A famous writer? No, go for it. It was Nora Ephron.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
2: So All right. the two of them together, without being asked by anyone, they wrote a draft, which goldman is furious about because for one thing <laughs> they were novice writers he'd won an oscar who were there to be giving him notes yeah fair. but he was also unhappy with redford for suggesting that he take the notes and he take the ideas on board so right eventually it did kind of blow over and they didn't go with uh, what they wrote for the most part but everyone has since agreed it should never happen in the first place and bernstein said his treatment of goldman was not sterling <laughs> Mm.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm. It just seems a little bit confused. But yeah. By the sounds of things, earlier versions did include some digressions about Woodward and Bernstein's private lives. Yeah. Which a yeah. little bit extraneous detail. Woodward had a girlfriend. Bernstein had an ex-wife. Some of the language used to describe women was questionable at best. Lines wow, like yeah. Yeah. leggy, wow. delicious right. looking, and okay. one woman having the best boobs in Virginia. <laughs> All of those were removed very early on
0: Yeah, it was like Bernstein just made himself look incredible Apparently with his screenplay He made himself look like
1: Really dashing, really charismatic Mm
0: -hmm. Just a man and get things done And kind of pissed on Woodward altogether Goldman just left the meeting When -hmm. he read it, he he read Mm -hmm. bits of it and said, I'm leaving, fuck this And Woodward got in touch with Goldman and said I I don't know what six things I've done wrong in my life But that's one of them letting him write that screenplay Oh (laughs) really, wow Fantastic, <laughs> six, things. six things Oh yeah, six. Very specific. Yeah, I don't know what six things I've really done wrong but letting him write that screenplay is one of them Wow <laughs> <laughs> When Pakula came on board he asked for multiple rewrites from Goldman, he'd never written so many drafts before that didn't hit the mark and the word is that Redford and Pakula made dramatic changes to the final draft which is what I've been talking about mm-hmm. in Goldman's screenplay to get into the shooting script, so I yeah. think Goldman would have, I mean, to, to read this novel try and write a screenplay about this yeah. And then I mean, it's an it, impossible but, task. But then do it. Yeah. And then have everyone say, nah, shit. Yeah, shit. This yeah. is better. And then you're reading one that's meant to be better. And it's one of the guys who's written the novel is <laughs> in the film, bigging himself up. And yeah, the other yeah. guy's saying sorry. And Redford going, I'm going to tell you the truth because <laughs> you're my mate. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. It's a mess. It's <laughs> a mess. <laughs> it's a real mess.
1: <laughs> Well, Redford's biographer claims that as little as 10% of the script was written by Goldman, but Richard Steerian, editor-in-chief of Written By magazine, said that he'd seen various early versions of the script and compared it to the shooting script, right. and said that there were majority of identical scenes, entire sequences, dialogue verbatim, all carried over from draft to draft to draft. Right,
0: right, right. right. I'd read okay. a lot where it was just, you know, thrown away. But you don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think we'll no. ever know.
1: That's the thing is that it's yeah. two sides of the story. But Staten concluded that Goldman was the sole author of All the President's Men. I find it difficult because it's William Goldman, probably mm. the most revered screenwriter of all time. Of course, time. It works.
0: I mm. think that's why Redford did it. He said, he was going to put one person's name on it, it might as well yeah. be Goldman. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's very clear
1: that there was a lot of fingers in the pie, and, oh, and too many. but what isn't clear yeah. is is who actually wrote the final script. I think I yeah. think it's more than just William Goldman. Oh,
0: it's it's definitely yeah. a, you know a jigsaw from about five different puzzles, yeah, <laughs> put together, yeah. and it, actually the picture makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing is guaranteed: Goldman conceived of the term "follow the money." The actual term was "trace right. the money," right. but Goldman wanted to make it snappier.
0: Well, that's it. Check
1: just Good for that. Just for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Matt, what are your thoughts on William Goldman slash everybody else's screenplay?
2: Well, that's it. I mean, whoever did write it, I think that is very harmonious with what Pekula wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that's that sense that take away anything that's Hollywood. Don't suggest this was glamorous because it wasn't. You know, if the one big in fictional invention is that scene with Bernstein in the Secretary, I think that's pretty good going, if yes. that's as fictional as it gets. Yeah. And it is like what Pekula's direction is like, it's rigorous. You Mm. know, they were so intent on making it as truthful as possible. The the double-checked every detail, every line in the script before signing it off. And I've got nothing but admiration for a piece of intelligent writing like that that assumes you're as clever as it is and you can't keep up. Yes. Because what the writer gets across is how agonizing it was to get this story out there because all it takes is small details to get in the way. Someone doesn't return a phone call, a librarian changes her story, Mm -hmm. Ben Bradley wants more sources in in the back at square one and the writing really gets that across. Mm -hmm. I think it is fair to say for a contemporary audience, a lot of this will be absolutely bewildering. You know, the amount of names and job titles that get thrown out, that would have meant a lot in 1975. Yeah, that don't mean an awful lot now. I mean, everyone knows who Nixon is, but who is Potter? Which one does hold again? Which which guy was yeah. Sloan? And who did she work for? You know, have Wikipedia open while you're watching this just to keep tabs on everyone. <laughs> but again... Who the fuck? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I do kind of admire it at the same time that Goldman or whoever's gone, no, this is yeah. the standard. We're going to keep this right now and we're not going to dumb it down, Frank Foncier. Whoever was responsible for it eventually, they did a really good job.
3: Yeah. yeah.
1: Goldman said that he wanted to stay true to the story. He said he felt great pressure because of the scrutiny it would come under from those in the know. He said, I was terrified because... You knew that everybody who was going to talk about this film had, at one time or another, been in a newsroom, he said, a, mm. and I knew that if we Hollywooded it up, we would be in terrible trouble. He said, because yeah. everybody in the industry started out in, in the newsroom. Yeah.
0: To keep the screenplay grounded, Woodward was never too far away from drafts with a pen, scrolling passages out, writing words like wrong and no in the margins, where <laughs> Goldman had taken a few flights of fancy. So like, Woodward was like... It, uh, it was almost like Redford. It was almost like you know mm, yeah. the same kind of character just having control of this. But again, you know, we're going to argue this to a blue in the face. But it's based on truth. It, yeah. If you start manipulating truth, it becomes a parody of itself. You know, the, the mm-hmm. fact that that Bernstein scene is actually even in the film yeah. is mesmerizing. Goldman's trying to make something entertaining, and how entertaining is the truth?
1: Exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's why you don't get films to this much level of true detail because it needs to. Go through the normal narrative beats. It yeah. needs to be exciting. It needs to be this, that, and the yeah. other thing. And this really isn't on the surface. Not on, on the page, surface, it isn't. But then
0: again, neither Zodiac really, or neither no. Spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mm-hmm. films yeah. that we've spoken about that take huge, huge influence from this. Yeah. It's how to make the truth exciting. I mean, you
2: can't like overlook the influence of Redford in this across all aspects because he had purchased the rights to the book for, I think it was about $450,000 and Mm. that was like, that wasn't his money, that was Warner's money, which they'd give him in exchange for he would make two films for them. Right. And then that's why he felt pressured to start because Warner's wanted a big name in there, Mm. which is then why Hoffman came into his joint lead, so it wasn't just Redford leading it. Right. but. Ironically, Hoffman himself had wanted to buy the rights to the book, but then he found out Redford had beaten him to it.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I did not know that.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, because it was hot news. I mean,
0: one of the it biggest, yeah. Yeah, one the biggest time, moments yeah. in, in a, like modern american history yeah it wasn't a million miles away from when it actually happened we're talking a couple of years a couple of years yeah.
1: yeah it was it was so bang on the money you can see they both bang into it though they both really really invested it. all of the mm-hmm. material i think we can all agree despite not knowing who wrote the screenplay <laughs> yeah. it is a magnificent piece of writing it is it really is well our second crew member is the prince of darkness himself yes Westy's wet dream oh. it's cinematographer Gordon Willis
0: <laughs> <laughs> wet dream and deep throat I've, I've really dug me back in you haven't I um, <laughs> go for it Westy he's just I mean oh god I mean what, what do you say about Gordon Willis he's just my absolute I mean Dickens is my hero Gordon Willis is my hero gone around Hall is, is one of my heroes it's just Gordon Willis is one of the first people to stand up and someone said that's too dark and he said no it's not <laughs> Godfather's whispered. too dark. No, it's not. And he had to, he has this real <laughs> demeanour about if you read interviews, if you see him, he doesn't give a shit about anyone else's opinion. And to me, that is so, so important as an artist. But he's also incredibly wonderful to work with. Everyone that you speak mm. to who's worked with him, he said he's so understanding. He tries to make stuff work, but he's not a soft touch with it. I mean, some of the films that he's done, I mean, even even if you've done Godfather 1, retire. Yeah. And just Godfather <laughs> 2. Yeah. And then goes, oh, okay, right. Well, what, what can I do? Before then, he works with Woody Allen, makes Manhattan, it makes Annie Hall, yeah, yeah, and he yeah. just goes, well, oh, okay. And then does this in split <laughs> yeah. and split diopters, makes split diopters look easy, and makes you know lifting the camera up to the top of a hundred foot fucking library <laughs> look a piece of piss. And he just and it, oh, he has deep throat. I know exactly how to shoot that. Then okay. We're going to turn that into a cliche in 20 years' time because it's so fucking immaculate. Yeah. There's not a shot in this film that doesn't work. And Matt mentioned it before, but that final, final dolly push where they know, and he comes out and mm. he does the 10-second countdown, and he runs mm. all the way yeah. through the That's office. incredible. And to the elevator. Yeah. The elevator is open at that time on film. At that time, under fluorescent lights, and it, 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 I I, I can't even imagine how good he is. He was just, he was just a fucking genius, and it's such. Like you said, look, you can watch some of this with the sound off, and you know what's happening. You know
3: what's
1: happening. You know what's
0: happening. It's just so powerfully done. I would mm-hmm. be, if, if this was me, I would have been an absolute asshole <laughs> to everybody. Even if I just shot half of this, I've done half of all the president's men. Who the fuck are you? That's, that's what I would have been like all the way through. <laughs> but he wasn't like that. He was a humble man and a wonderful man. And he did some incredible films. And not, I mean, he did this, right? He did the money pit.
1: Yeah, I do How you go from like, yeah, I Manhattan,
0: Annie Hall, Godfather 1, 2, 3, All the President's Men, Parallax View, <laughs> Clute, um, The Money Pit. All right, fine. And it looks <laughs> incredible. And it's a wonderful film and it works. And that's the kind of guy he was. And that's why I love him. And his work here is wonderful. I think he's fantastic. I've got no nothing more. I just fucking adore the guy. I'll watch anything he's done over and over and over again. And that, to me, is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate legacy.
1: Yeah. Great. Wonderful. Right. Match that. Uh, Matt? No, I'm not coming to you, Matt. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, just, uh, I'll say what I've got written down just for what it's worth. I'll try and, and, uh, yeah, I'll remove somewhere. it in the edit, probably. Part <laughs>
0: of what I've said, obviously.
1: <laughs> but the split diopter is just off the chain. It's in every
0: scene. Mm. It's probably the best <laughs> I've seen in any film. It's horizontal as well. There's a bit when he's typing out and they go, four more years. Four oh, more yeah, years. Yeah, it's yeah. horizontal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one's ever done a horizontal split diopter before. And he's just <laughs> taking the piss and no one knows about this. Why don't people care more about this?
1: Yeah, I know. It's I know. Genius, man. I love that passion. I love oh, that passion. God. <laughs> There is a great moment of its use when Woodward first calls Deep Throat in the phone booth and he uses kind of the frame of the phone booth There's yeah, yeah. a break between the two lenses. always does. There's always Genius. a great
0: break. Yeah, Amazing. The pillars of the, of the newsroom as well uses mm-hmm. them really well. Yeah.
1: I mean, we talked about light and dark, classic visual storytelling stuff, but it's so striking yeah. in this film. Um, there's a shot here also when Woodward gets out of the taxi when he's making his way down to the stairwell to see Deep Throat for yes. the first time. yes. Possibly my favourite shot in the film. It just looks so bleak and uninviting mm-hmm. and he's minuscule in comparison. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It, and it's just a st- it's static shot. It's it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Just the composition of it is just so great. Beautiful. Willis said that he was obsessed with delivering information on each cut in the film. Mm-hmm. And keep that in mind the next time you watch it and you'll see what he means. Mm-hmm. It's really, really striking, the cuts. Matt, do you have anything that you want to say? <laughs>
2: I do, but we'll see if it makes it in or not. It's you know, it's probably just not that interesting. Sorry. I mean, I'm obviously not going to bother mentioning the money pit again. That was uh, going to be my first that point. That was going to but... be your
1: opening gambit. Sure, opening gambit. Money pit. over.
2: That's
1: funny. Fucking
2: grateful. I don't remember it looking great, though. It really does. Willis, on this, I just think it's a hell of a thing to say to someone like him. Your colour palette for this film is going to be mainly beige. Brown and off white. Yeah. And yeah, fine. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. Tick. And he comes down with just this incredible use of deep focus, the way the office just stretches off into the background, yeah. packed full of extras. It's this subliminal way almost of making it a quite dry story, visually exciting. And I think because it's so restrained for the most part, when he does get the opportunity, he can just put in some really striking visual moments. Like one of my favorites is when. Woodward comes out of his house at night and everything's really in shadow and he starts running down the street yeah. towards yeah. the end yeah. and, and he's I mean, in silhouette. But he's running towards the light, and obviously that sounds very on the nose mm-hmm. when you say it out loud, Oh, he's he's running towards the light, towards you know, the, the information I need. Yeah. But the way Willis renders it, it's anything but yeah, it you know, can only agree with everything you've said. It's it's just outstanding work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his work here, it should be taught in film school, telling the story through shot choices alone. And like I've said, him and Pakula working together, there's magic captured on screen that I, I just i have rarely seen. Mm. So outstanding work all round from the crew. David Shire's music can't go unspoken, nor can mm. Robert Wolfe's editing. But in Goldman and Willis, you've got two masters in their field at the top of their game.
2: Yes.
0: The End
1: Into the final act of the film, new characters are introduced, muddy in the waters for Woodward and Bernstein. We're starting this section with the introduction of Donald Segretti and Mm. ending it with Woodward's second meeting with Deep Throat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Matt, would you like to go first?
2: Yes, I would, because... Up until this point, evidence has been so stop-start for them. You know, mm. they get names, but the names won't talk. The indictment for the original burglars, it's going to be sealed until after the election, which mm. renders the investigation useless. They get John Mitchell on the phone, but he tells him he's going to put Katie Graham's tit in the ringer over this. Yeah, which is,
1: yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> outrageous
2: language. Out- outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> Remove the word tit, it's a family newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. Uh, but that's the thing, it, this is when you think... Feel ben bradley is finally on their side and he's frustrated because he knows something's there and whatever it is it's big and he just needs someone to go on the record and yeah. you get that great scene where it's just the three of them at the office at night and he's asking you no know, can i trust deep throat and then he tells them about that time he ran the story about hoover getting moved on from the fbi but he was fed a full story so they rang him up and said call ben bradley and tell him fuck you you know yeah just when he, it he just like mm-hmm. bridges the distance between them. It's like yeah, I've been where you guys are, so now difficult it is, but you've got me back in here, and it's great. And that's important because then they get this new name, Segretti, someone who the finality has been going across the country, which just opens up the investigation even yeah. further. It's no longer just a Washington story. It's everywhere. You know, the yeah. FBI know this guy. It's nationwide. In that image, you get a Woodward and Bernstein cross-legged on the floor. All the evidence of, like, Segretti's movement spread out. So mm-hmm. it's like a literal map of the case. It's like a literal map of what's going on in their head. It's yeah. like what Westy is saying about the Deep Thought meetings. It feels like a cliche now that type of thing, but this is the film that invented that cliche, so you've got to respect it.
1: Well, I'm going to touch on the meeting between Bernstein and Segretti. When Bernstein gets there, he says that I've been sent by my paper to try and persuade you to go on the record. And when he says that, he starts to laugh. Mm. Like He must have said this to everyone he's spoken to and been rejected at every turn. (laughs) So much so, now that it's become funny, he's kind of Mm. like at the point of delirium. (laughs) You're not going to do it, Mm. I know. And not to labour the point, but the theme of light and dark is continued here. Segretti is framed in the dark when he's reluctant to talk and in the light when Bernstein manages to kind of get him to open Mm, up. Yeah. And again, this is Bernstein using his journalistic instincts to get what he wants because he kind of befriends Segretti here. Mm-hmm. He's almost complimenting him about his political endeavours. Yeah. And I think Segretti is flattered by it, which is why he opens up, and that's when he's framed in the light yeah. inside.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the, the yeah, the charismatic nature of mm-hmm. that character. Though that's what yeah. I was talking about, what Hoffman Absolutely. brings to it. Really charismatic.
1: Yeah. yeah. He kind of opens him up, and yeah. which is why he blabs about the rat fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Great. What about you, Westy?
0: I Me, mean, I'm going to go for the, the second meeting with Deep Throat. Mm-hmm and how it differs to the first in that there's a lot more weight to this. It's a lot heavier. It seems a little bit darker. It seems Mm. a little bit more loose in the way that the framed, they seem a little bit wider in the frame. There's a lot, you can look around them and see what's going on. Mm. And I know you mentioned before that, you know, it doesn't have the classic action beats. This Mm -hmm. is as close as we get to a car chase. Yeah. sense again of orange and teal it really works and then he's like did you change cabs is he starting to doubt Well, Woodward's bringing to it is he starting to doubt you know should I be talking to him should I be doing this is this the right thing and again you know you can just see this real tension and the paranoia starts to build and I don't really think it's necessarily the meeting between the two I think it's the way that Woodward leaves this meeting Hmm. and the paranoia and the way that that is shot and the way that that's that's built you are just with him every step of the way it's a screeching car he turns yeah. around, and look at it, mm. and Death Throat's gone like fucking Batman. He's gone. He's out of yeah. there. He knows exactly where he needs to go and what he needs to do. And there's that incredible scene where you just have him running. He just starts to run down the street, and he turns, and this is the closest you're going to get to a horror beat ever yeah. from Pukula. Yeah. And he does that mm-hmm. push in. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's amazing. Yeah, as he turns, yeah. Him, yeah. Whoomp, right, and then there's nothing.
2: Mm-hmm. You just
0: think, I'm on edge. I need this to be over. I want this to be finished. Give us some information for fuck's sake. How how on earth do I keep going? How on earth do I keep going as a viewer through this? And then you think, how on earth did Rubber keep going? How on earth did Burning keep going? And it really is almost like a full stop, but you don't want to stop. Almost like the end of a chapter and you're like, okay, let's start again. Here we go. And it really questions your ability to connect with the film. Mm -hmm. It really pushes you as a viewer. Mm -hmm. Now it's a paranoid mess. And mm-hmm. we'll have to keep going.
1: Yeah. I mean, that Yeah, that push in. Yeah, That's, Red great. That's just that
0: turn. Yeah. It yeah. turns into it as so it dramatic. pushes. It's like, mm-hmm. Willis just, when has when he used that in the whole film? Never. I know, never. He never ever yeah. uses a, like a push it, in yeah, like that. It's so ever. out of the kilter, isn't it? It's so out of the kilter, but he knows what he's doing. He said, like, mm-hmm. we're just going to yeah, do like a, almost like a crash zoom here. It's like yeah. Tarantino's mm-hmm. ripped that off left, right, and centre, but he used it here. To, to like I say, to aid the story, everything yeah. is done to aid the story it and is. to push the viewer further and further away from the, their comfort zone, mm-hmm. which is what makes it an incredible film. I
1: mean, amazing. Yeah? yeah. By the time we get to the end of the film, Woodward's paranoia is as obvious as Bernstein's desperation. Yeah. Sloan denies to the news that he implicated Holdman, and Bed Bradley is pretty pissed about
0: that. <laughs> pretty pissed. <laughs>
2: What's <laughs> That's
0: great, though. So good. No matter how many times we mention it, it's still fucking it's great. So yeah.
1: We're focusing our attention on the film's final stretch, starting with the third and final meeting with Deep Throat, and ending with Nixon being sworn in for four more years. Mm-hmm. All right. Third meeting with Deep Throat. You mentioned that shot to Redford. That looks. That's like a horror shot. Yeah. A horror yeah. beat. I think this is very similar. This scene. Yeah. Mm. It's one of the most iconic scenes in the film. Probably the most and it's terrifying I
0: think they're framed on opposite sides as well on this one mm-hmm. yes they are they're always mm-hmm. one to yeah. the other and then this mm-hmm. friend, Redford that takes the role where he has more information yeah. and he just throws the audience off it's genius
1: it's it's like a horror movie scene I think it's the spine tingle and dialogue delivered with like the deathly caress by Holbrook
0: mm. right and he yeah. says oh, nice. the <laughs>
1: list is <laughs> he says thanks
0: yeah lovely <laughs> that I was, I was into that that was lovely deathly caress <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: He says that the list is longer than anyone can imagine. It's incredible. It yeah. leads everywhere. Get out your notebook, there's more. Yeah. Your lives are in danger. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: Shit. <laughs> yeah. What's this? I expect yeah. it to cut when he says, get out your notebook, there's more. Yeah. yeah. And I expect yeah, yeah, it yeah. just to be like cut there. And mm-hmm.
1: then, yeah. yeah. The fact is that we just don't know what's going on. Whereas in the dark as Woodward and Bernstein, we think they're there and then the rug gets pulled out from under us. We yeah. think there, and that happens throughout the film, yeah. but we know because of the way that the film is shot, because of the music, we know it's life and death stuff. Yeah. Mm. Dirty tricks are all over town. It's probably the biggest political story in history Yeah, and Woodward and Bernstein are right at the center of it. Mm. That is horror movie stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Really Incredible is. scene. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: And Redford's dumbstruck reaction when Holbrook is saying these things to him, mm. and his delivery—they're just second to none. Mm-hmm. That scene is—it's magnificent, and it's a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. it is. If that, yeah, <laughs>
1: Yeah. it's incredible.
0: What about you, Westy? I'm gonna go for when you know our lives are in danger. Yes, and he gets and he has to go back, and he has to tell Bernstein about it. Mm. But how do you tell him about it? oh you just play Rachmaninoff's piano concerto number three (laughs) as loud as you possibly can just because when i'm like the sound design all the way through this film just triggers my anxiety so much and it's like oh that's what i need Rachmaninoff right about now (laughs) okay cheers and it's and you're reading it and it's just one after the other and it's the reactions from both of them i think they just know that they've found something they know mm-hmm. that they've got somewhere, and with that choice of music, it doesn't seem like it's foreboding. It doesn't seem like it's a damning thing. It seems like almost mm-hmm. like a celebration. It seems very Kubrick to me. It seems very like Barry Linden. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it, like that could be the final track of the whole film. It, mm-hmm. The credits could roll on that yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. Do you know what I mean? It's it's mm-hmm. real kind of like a celebration, it's orchestral celebration of we found something. Our lives are in danger. Isn't that amazing? Because we've obviously found <laughs> out Because we all speak on the right way, yeah. 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 And it's it, it to me that's a it's a counterbalance, and that's why I really love this scene. And it's it's got that you know it's probably one of the first ever iterations of sending a WhatsApp message to somebody <laughs> 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 ever. It's just like you're listen to this, and you're reading it, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, our lives are in danger, and this and this and this, and it it, it it paints that picture. But I just think it's it's wonderfully done, and the way Redford comes in, and he's just like. Shh. Mm, yeah. no. bam, and Bernstein's like, oh, please. And the, the, yeah, they both yeah. at this point thoroughly understand each other. They are now the yeah. absolute team.
1: They're completely yeah. in sync.
0: You know for a fact that Bernstein's not going to say a word when he turns yeah. that music on. He just wants to read what he types. Mm. And that's genius because us as an audience want to read what he types. Yeah, what yeah. does he know? He's got mm. his notebook out and he doesn't read his notebook. That's how important this information is. It's yeah. all in his head and he knows it because he knows it's now fact, and they've now got it in what a scene it is.
1: Yeah, incredible stuff. Mm.
2: What about you, Matt? Bringing it home? I'm bringing it home, because like, one word we've used a lot is, this film is rigorous, and it's on the details of the job. So when you do get these moments of like kind of light and levity or, or humanity for one of a better word breaking through would really resonate so the story's gone back and forth and back and forth and they've run it and it's been denied and the editorial team don't know what to do next mm-hmm. so when bradley discourse, fuck it let's stand by the boys yeah, oh, <sighs> yes. yeah. Come yes come on come <laughs> on ben's on the side now everything's <laughs> going to be okay and famously this came out you know the same year as rocky And Bradley speaks to them at the end when they stood outside his house in the middle of the night and they've got the confirmation. That speech is as inspirational as anything you get in any Rocky film. Yeah, yeah. When he says, you know, nothing's right on this except the First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters, but if you guys fuck up again, I'm going to get mad. And then he sends them off to do it. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, as we said, David Fincher loves this film. And the way that Woodward and Bernstein go off into the night with that music, that is absolutely the last scene in Zodiac between yeah, Hall yeah. and Rufloar oh, yes, in the is. diner. Yeah. When Hall lays it all out and Rufloar just walks away with the information. That is mm-hmm. absolutely taken from this. Yeah. And then it just ends on, it, it is, it's one of my favourite endings of all time because, again, it, it's just this masterclass and visual storytelling, another spit diopter, yeah. Woodward and Bernstein working away in the story in the background <sighs> while in the foreground, Nixon is getting sworn in on television, but completely yeah. obvious to what's going on, which is that literally and metaphorically in the background, the working on the story that's going to bring him down. Bring him down, yeah. Brilliant. And to leave it like that with no dialogue, with the gunshots on the inauguration taken on a different significance, they're supposed to be there to celebrate, Always oh, surrounding the president. No, they sound more like warning shots over the bar, what's coming for him? With the typewriter
0: as well. With the typewriter as well.
2: To wrap it up like this, despite the fact the rest of the story doesn't get told, like this is kind of half of what actually happened. It shouldn't feel as satisfying as it does, but it's perfect.
0: Yeah, it is. I think you're just exhausted by this point, and you want to you know that the, 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 yeah. the one, and you have that teleprompter. It's like, It's like a machine gun going off, as if they're gunning everybody down who's guilty. Yeah, it's like a firing squad. Yeah, and it's it's a firing squad of information. Information yeah. kills. And when that final, final, notice hammered home on, on that typewriter, bang, Nixon, yeah. boom, and then it's yeah. silent. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. God. It's silent. wonderful
1: so ending with relative quiet our boys have finally got to the bottom of the story Mm. but it's just the beginning
0: Yeah.
3: reception and awards
1: all the president's men was rated pg upon release unusual for a film with a plethora of f-bombs it would automatically be rated an r now but the mpa have made some strange decisions in the 70s i mean toby hooper tried to get pg for Texas cheers, for say, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, you don't were, say anything, do you? They, okay. they could obviously be gotten to. <laughs> Whatever, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> At an advanced screening of the film, Goldman and Pakula were very nervous because it was met with scattered boos when the titles kicked in. Some people walked right. out whispering, smear job, and then there was silence. Mm. And Goldman and Pakula thought they were going to get beaten up. But the silence broke out into mild laughter when the tone lightened in the film slightly. Goldman said, silence had meant immersion, and from then we knew we had them. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And that was echoed when it received its general release in April 76. Widespread acclaim was given to the film. Variety said, ingenious direction and scripting that overcame the difficult lack of drama that a story about reporters running down a story might otherwise have. Mm Mm-hmm. Gene Siskel gave it four out of four. The headline of his review said, Excitement from pillar to post. And he included it on his best films of 1976 list. And the main man, the man himself, <laughs> Roger Ebert, yeah. what do you think?
0: Three.
2: Uh,
1: I think he would go with four. Split the difference. He gave it three and a half out of ah, four. Right. Okay. Okay. He said it succeeds brilliantly in suggesting the mixture of exhilaration, paranoia, self-doubt, and courage that permeated the Washington Post as its two young reporters went after the presidency. A negative review from New West magazine said that the film missed the opportunity to explain the implications of the Watergate scandal and the pathology that drove the conspirators. But of course, the intention of all involved was not to make a film about those things.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that that's an entirely different yeah. film from an yeah, a different, different film, point of from view. From a different point of view, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly
1: what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> And now all the president's men has a big time, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and an IMDb score of 7.9 out of 10. Less than Sin City, which is baffling.
0: Well, I mean, you kind of, <laughs> uh, okay. Baffling <laughs> to you.
1: It was a big hit with audiences too. Amazingly, it earned almost nine times its budget. Wow. $70.6 million from a budget of 8.5 domestically considering the relatively elevated subject matter. Pretty incredible stuff. Yeah, ridiculously good.
2: Sponsors probably people wanted to know what had happened, though.
0: Because it was at the time it was Because it was at the time, you That's, know. If, they knew that. Redford knew that. He knew yeah. it was hot. It's a hot day. Yeah, detail. really hot It honor. is. Yeah.
2: Like, like if we'd waited 10 years, I don't think it would be anything. No, no, no Imagine this coming it out is. now. No one we'll give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. You'd be yeah. like, yeah.
1: <laughs> don't okay. give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> don't give a shit, man. Yeah. And to complete the hat-trick, all the presidents men got its fair share of exposure during awards season. It was nominated for nine BAFTAs and four Golden Globes. It didn't win, but was more successful at the Oscars. It was nominated in eight categories. It won four awards, Best Supporting Actor for Jason Robards, Best Screenplay, Best Art Direction, Best Sound. I mean, I think that's fair enough.
0: That's very fair enough. Definitely.
2: Especially Robards. Yeah, definitely.
0: Especially the art design as well. And the sound design. And the sound, (laughs) Yeah. yeah.
2: And the screenplay. Yeah. So yeah, awful, <laughs> yeah. That's the worst point we've ever made, like yeah. particularly that one. Actually, all of them. Actually, all of them, yeah. yeah.
0: actually, the, the art design agreed. <laughs> we
1: agreed with the point and then individualized the points and, and then it. came back and to it doing it as a
0: group again. Absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Do you know what I really loved about this? The art design and the sound, and the, yeah, 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 it all works.
1: <laughs> It did have some stiff competition in the major categories. Rocky, Taxi Driver, Network, all were released in 76. Yeah, big big year. year. Yeah, big big year. So success on all fronts for all the president's men whose influence can still be felt today with the likes of Best Picture Winner Spotlight from 2015 taking Mm -hmm. direct influence from the film. Definitely.
0: All the right movies ranking.
1: Now all the votes have been cast. We're about to reveal if all the president's men has been elected the winner. It is, of course, the All The Right Movies ranking. the world-famous All The Right Movies ranking. World-famous. No dirty tricks here? No. No, no. Our scores for the film, first of all, Westy, yeah. over
0: to you. Me first. Harsh. Yeah, you first. Why not? Um, but, but I don't know, Some I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> no, look, I mean, I did struggle with this film when I, I thought I'm going to have to talk about it because it's very. it was a very daunting thing. Very to have to understand it, to get it across to people, for people to listen to a podcast on it and for us to say, or for me to say personally, oh, I understand it from start to finish. And mm. I don't, there's still some characters in there I don't know of what course. the fuck they yeah. are. There's yeah. still yeah. some plot left and rights that I don't quite know why. At the same time, I don't really think that's very important. I think it's it's more important that people stuck to the guns and made a film that doesn't fall back on that. And I don't think many films are made like this anymore where people mm, just go, no. this is the truth. This is what happened. If you don't like it, don't watch it. If you're mm-hmm. not into it, doesn't matter. But it, even from that point of view, it makes it so engaging. And so much of a film that you want to dive into and know about, even now I want to know more about it. Even now mm-hmm. I want to be more involved in it, even though I've seen it so many times for this. It is a perfect film. It is perfectly shot. It's perfectly acted. It's perfectly written. The music is there where it needs to be. The sound design is incredible. Just because I don't get it on every single conceivable level doesn't make me a moron. and doesn't make it a bad film. It makes it a perfect film because that's what art is. That's what cinema is. And it should challenge you and it should question it and should push you and you should work harder to understand things. And for that reason, it's an absolute 10.
1: Yes! Wonderful. Very Wonderful. nice. Unexpected. Excellent. That, Westy. It has to be. I'm going to go second because I don't think this is going to be any surprise at all. Mm. I came to doing this film... And it was quite daunting because mm-hmm. it's a really complex story. Agreed. And I felt as though I needed to know everything about Watergate yeah. to be able to speak confidently and do a podcast on this film. Same. Yeah. So I watched that stupid Watergate documentary. Oh, I didn't. That's on
0: for like I, 10 hours. I just You're panicked. Right. I didn't do anything about it. I just sat and panicked. I just didn't <laughs> sleep for a week. <laughs> just kept watching the film, worrying about I didn't mm-hmm. understand <laughs>
1: This film's a a revelation every time I watch it. It's subject matter is something that really interests me, Mm. but that's never going to guarantee a good film. What elevates it to elite-level movie status is all part of the creative process firing on all cylinders. Performances, music, direction, editing, cinematography, writing, of course, made all the more remarkable considering the lack of traditional movie beats, like I said. Mm. It would never get made now, which is a sad state of affairs for me. Mm. Like From a visual point of view... This is as impressive as any any film that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If all movies were like this, it would be a perfect world. It's one of the easiest 10 out of 10s I've ever given. Lovely. Wonderful. Yes. Matt, final one.
2: It's a film I find so enjoyable. Like I said, the top, it's about a topic I'm really interested in, and it's told through a particular narrative of crusading journalism, which at its best I'm a complete sucker for. Mm. And yeah, it, it, it's what you said, Luke. It's still best in class, it's still the, the best example of this genre. The adherence to realism and truth from everyone, no one is trying to make it about them. Peculiar isn't trying to show off what he can do as a director. Redford and Hoffman, they're not trying to show off what they can do as actors. They're just all on the same page. Yeah. And the ironic thing is because they're not making it about them, they turn turning some of their best work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. hmm yeah. Exactly. They're yeah. just super yeah. sort of yeah. focused on, on what this story is and what it should be. And, yeah, you can see, you know, if someone comes new to this, they would be absolutely lost. You know, Potter, Magruder, Sogretti, Haldeman, who? I thought this was about Nixon. <laughs> Where's he in this? When's he going to yeah. turn up? <laughs> But that's part of the thing I love about it. I love just the unrelenting, unstinting intelligence behind it, the, the refusal to dumb anything down, go no, mm-hmm. the story needed to be told then. But it's told so well that even if some of the details are a bit fuzzy to a contemporary audience, it's still just such an engrossing film. So, yeah, it is absolutely a 10 for me as well. Woo, nice. full marks. Full marks,
3: lovely.
1: Full marks from, from the three of us, and we've got our fourth score for all mm-hmm. the presidents, man. That's coming from our expanding Twitter followers. Yeah. Yes. I have the score, but first I've picked out some choice comments. Okay. Okay. Sue Taylor at, and if I've got this pronunciation wrong, then forgive me, Sue. Nifafia at Nifafia. Okay. She said, Fine. "When you know what happens, but are still on the edge of your seat."
0: Brilliant, Phil. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, yeah. I, I wish Probably. our name had been less complicated. and uh, our name should have been as uncomplicated as our comment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> True that. Mm. Silver Fang 2021 official at Silver Fang 2021 said, could only vote 10 on this because there weren't any higher options. Absolute genius piece of filmmaking that has withstood the test of time. True, And there were a lot of various positive comments. Mm-hmm. One person said, if whoever's voted seven doesn't understand the film, which opened up quite a dialogue, but it wasn't without <laughs> its imagine. detractors either. Yeah. Again, pronunciation, Cheren Kiko at uh, Cheren Kiko 1 said three. Tried watching it, could never finish it because I kept falling
0: asleep. Boring. That's not the film's fault. No. <laughs> That's yours. So get some more Kip, watch it again, enjoy yourself. Sure? Yep. Have some coffee. Like Bernstein. Oh, yeah. have, have Fantastic. S-
1: Fantastic. Coffee. Bernstein. I'm coming home.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and finally, James McSweeney, at James underscore McSweeney, said, Controversially, two, it was all based on lies.
0: Oh, right. Sweeney, right.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Sweeney. sure he's diligently researched that I'm sure yeah, he yeah. Has. Yeah. from appropriate sources <laughs> and double-checked everything to brand badly satisfaction.
1: <laughs> so gathering all of the scores together and getting an average, what do you think of all the President's men? What do you think it got on Twitter, fellas? 8.5. Um you do 0.5 on Twitter? 8. We do. We I, do. I'd say 8.5. You can't vote 0.5, but when we average, right. we do I take say, the 0.5. Yeah, I'd out. say 8.5.
2: I'll go a smidge and say nine. Ooh, you're both wrong. It's Ooh. got a very high 9.5, 9.5 out
0: of 10. Wow. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah. Just missing nice the
1: top spot. Good. Yeah. Damn shame.
0: It was just them comments that you chose, kind of threw yeah. us off a little bit. Mm. Someone yes. gave it a three and a two, and I'm like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> well, I just think naturally it's going to be 10 all day long, that's so close. I thought I'd throw in some negative comments yeah. just to kind of balance mm. it out. Yeah, yeah. So with ours and the Twitter score combined, that leaves all the President's Men with a hugely impressive 39.5 out of 40. Mm-hmm. You can go to alltherightmovies.com forward slash leaderboard to see where all the President's Men matches up against all the other films that we've covered on our classic podcast.
3: Yeah.
1: As mentioned at the top, you can sign up to be an ATRM Patreon supporter by visiting patreon.com forward slash all the right movies. You get access to all of those podcasts that were mentioned at the top. Have a say in the films that we cover and the score they get. And you can also buy our podcast individually on our website, alltherightmovies.com. Yes, you can. Don't forget that if you are an ATRM patron or you do subscribe to us on Twitter, you can be part of our exclusive Twitter community. Loads of great chat on there. We're in there as well. Mm -hmm. We'll leave if that would make things more appealing to you. Of course,
0: yeah. Yeah. You don't need us banging on about shit we've already banged on about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just listen to that for two hours. You know our (laughs) opinion. Join us again on All The Right Movies when John, Matt, and Westy will be talking about a huge, huge film, possibly the greatest ever sequel made. Yeah. It's The Godfather Part 2. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Excited for that one, fellas?
2: I'm stressed already. I'm stressed already. Sure. This, I'm and then then two that. big
1: films. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> big it up, Westy. Big it up. This is advertising right, for the sorry. next podcast. Yeah.
0: Godfather part two is possibly one of my favorite films of all time. And I don't even know where I'm wow. going to start with it. I really yeah. don't know where I'm going to start with it. I'm not going to spoil it. 10. I'm not going to spoil the, was. <laughs> I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to breaking it down. I'm looking forward to, to the analysis. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to what the, the other boys think of it. I'm especially yeah. looking forward to what John thinks of it. And um, as you as well, Matt, um, mm. it's going it's to be a
1: good one. Secondary. It's going to be. A, yeah. <laughs> 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 Just a year can't wait. Would do.
0: Yeah, absolutely can't wait. A huge, huge film. So I'm looking forward to getting into that.
1: A huge film requires a huge podcast from three great guys, and that's what you'll get in two weeks for sure. Absolutely,
0: mm-hmm. we'll travel best mm-hmm. as always. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we won't break your heart.
1: <laughs> oh, nice and <laughs> lovely. Mm-hmm. Our most recent Patreon exclusive podcast is On From Dusk Dawn and Sin City. Mm
3: -hmm. Two of
1: the best from Robert Rodriguez, so become a Mm -hmm. director's chair to your patron to listen to that. The three of us here recorded that and had plenty of fun. It was loads of fun. If you want
0: to listen to us be about fucking 98% less stressed than we have been for the last (laughs) two hours, listen to that. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Yeah. a rip-roaring time. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) If you missed it, we released a new episode of A Life in Movies, our movie interview show, last week. I spoke to Greg Sestero, star of notorious cult classic The Room, Mm. generally Mm -hmm. considered the worst film ever made. I spoke to him about his favourite films. He is a wonderful man. He's a lovely
0: guy. Lovely guy. Came across really well. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Very nice.
1: And if that wasn't enough, we've got content coming out on social media every day. It's coming out of our asses. On Twitter, we are at, AT right Movies. Some great making-of-movie threads on there to get your teeth into. They're coming oh, yeah. out very often.
2: They are. The
0: great yeah, reads. Yeah. Really good.
1: Fantastic stuff. At all the underscore right movies on Instagram. On TikTok, we're at all the right movies. Join our Facebook group. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and like our videos. They're going out regularly and are not to be missed. No. Mm-hmm. If you like the podcast, we'd love it if you could give us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts, and yes. Spotify, positive for preference. We're well, asking. Where, if you want to
0: do loads of work, but I mean, if you could, it would just be incredible. Like, yeah, we're so yeah, sorry. Well, just, like, if you enjoyed it, <laughs> just you know, give us a little bit. Yeah, back. just say uh,
1: I really liked it, five stars. Yeah. And if and if you want more content, sign up with your patrons. It's, it's yeah. not not a huge charge. No, it's not.
0: I think it's fairly straightforward. I would love to do that. <laughs>
1: And our website, the ATRM hub with loads of great articles is alltherightmovies.com. Yes. Woo! A lot of stuff coming right at you there. Very nice. Yes. And that is a wrap, fellas. A good, solid piece of American journalism there, I think. I think so. Now get home and get some rest and be back in 15 minutes. Godfather 2 next.
0: Godfather 2 next. All right, I'll be here.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.